This is Gene Simmons from KISS. You're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast, which is stealing from KISS. Don't ever do it again. Hey, this is Sebastian Bach. Turn it up! Hollywood. What's up? What's going on? Nothing much, man. Just enjoying day two of the Indie Kiss Expo. Yeah, so the nice thing about this expo is that it's kind of slow in the morning because people are standing in line getting autographs because their autograph sessions are here and they don't let in the general public. But at 2 o'clock, they let in the general public and it goes crazy from then on. Oh, yeah. It was nuts yesterday when I was walking out doing something. It was like a herd coming in. Yeah, no shit. It, it was literally like that. Like I turned around and it was like stampeding buffaloes. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> so what's your take on day one, man? What do you, you know, starting with the expo, uh, how did you feel about everything? Uh, it's set up really well. Um, somebody said compared to Atlanta. It's not even comparable to Atlanta. I think the operations of having the top shelf celebrities in different rooms doing the photo ops and autograph sessions than having the rest of the celebrities in a major room with people lining up, etc. And then having the vendors and podcasters really in a separate room and then all of the live Q&A, etc. in a separate room just makes for better. Like nobody's on top of each other. Uh, You're not in a place where you don't want to be. Um, there's not people talking over each other when stuff's going on. The lines, the lead line was probably the longest yesterday. 22 minutes, 25 minutes yeah. is nothing. Yeah, I think from a standpoint of what we're doing podcast-wise, Grown Up Rock, PRC, Ages of Rock, all these folks, it's, it's great for us. I think if you're selling something here, I think it's probably not that great because it doesn't keep the traffic next to the shit that you want to sell because they basically, the traffic comes through, they do their look and see, and then they go to the Q&As, they go to the, um, to the autograph signings and the artist booths and things like that. So if you're trying to sell shit, you want to keep people near the shit you're trying to sell. So I think if you're selling stuff, it's probably not ideal, but we're not selling shit. All we're trying to do is bring awareness to our podcast and stuff. So I think for us, it's really great because uh, I wasn't so sure about it yesterday. I was like, we're not getting the traffic we got in Atlanta, but at the same time, I like having these breaks, you know, where it's not all crazy and we can sit down just like you and I are doing right now and kind of just having this conversation, having this recap and um, trying to explain to the listeners, you know, our perspective on this. Yeah, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Now the vendors, like the diehards that bought the platinum VIPs, the photo sessions, the signatures, blah, blah. Those people don't usually buy much. They already got everything. They brought their own stuff to sign. Yeah. You get you bring your kids here, you'll drop a fortune because there's all kinds of kids stuff that you can buy. Uh, you bring your wife here or something like that. If you're just here kind of shopping, like mall shopping, then you'll drop some money. That's really going to happen with general admission anyway. But uh, most of these guys, you know, they start jacking with their prices a little bit on the second day. They don't want to travel back with the stuff. Yeah, no doubt. So, so you guys sat down with John Hart yesterday on stage and did the uh, Q and A uh, with Big John Hart. What was was that interesting for you? 
Yeah, John's been on a lot of podcasts, radio shows, etc. Uh, he does a good job of, you know, having a consistent story, but then peppering in a few different things. So it's worth talking to John. His book got delayed a little bit, which you could tell he was a little bit frustrated with that. What was it like being on stage, having to talk in front of an audience there? Uh, that part, both Joe and I have uh, extensive experience doing that, so yeah. that part's no issue. Okay, cool. Yeah. So it was all good for you. Yeah. So let's get to last night's performance. What was your take on the evening's events last night? Uh, well, you can't go wrong when uh, the Gene Simmons band without Gene Simmons, whatever the hell we're calling them, uh, open with a Sammy Hagar song, like can't go wrong with that. Yeah, two of my favorite Sammy Hagar yeah. songs, right? One Way to Rock and then Heavy Metal. Yeah, yeah. Who, do, who doesn't love that? Oh, yeah. Ian Wadley does. Yeah, Ian Wadley does a lot of that. <laughs> um, but no, I thought uh, the first band did a great job. They had people going in and out doing different things, and they sounded great. Yeah. And then the second band, I mean, come on, we're talking history last night. So if uh, if you had, did not have a chance to be here and you're watching PC um, song here, song there, Facebook Lives or videos on YouTube, if you just go to my page, I've got the, the final act, front to back, Facebook Live, the whole thing. Um, so you can watch it for yourself, but I, I think it was a piece of history made. Yeah, and if you want a different angle, you can go to the Grown Up Rock Facebook page and see the other angle because Sonny and I were across from each other on the separate <laughs> sides of the stage uh, streaming. Now, I don't know. One thing I don't know is did you go back and watch any of it? How's it sound on video? It sounds pretty good to me. Okay. And then uh, I was also getting comments that it was sounding pretty good live okay. so that's good right i mean i thought it sounded fine but i was there so i don't i never know what the phone is going to uh com- compress in terms of the signal coming into the phone while i'm recording it so um i don't know i i know i saw a couple of comments that were kind of like you know smart aleck comments where like somebody's saying is this karaoke and stuff like that and it's kind of like dude you, I guess you got to be here, but nah, it sounded pretty good to me live. So, if uh, I saw some comments saying Todd Kern's voice was annoying and his hair flipping was annoying or whatever, I will tell you this: if you don't like Todd Kern's for some reason, power to you're allowed your opinion, but your opinion would be wrong because that guy can sing. That guy's a showman. He's got talent, and uh, you might want to give the guy a shot. Look, we sat down with both Todd and Brent yesterday. Super nice guys. Last night was the first time I got the opportunity to see um, Todd perform. Well, the first opportunity I got to see either one of them perform, Todd or Brent. Well, that's not entirely true because I saw Slash open up for uh, Aerosmith. But in a KISS perspective, that's the first time I got them to see them perform, and I thought it was great. I mean, I thought they did a real good job. I thought they sounded good. So, uh, yeah, my opinion is what it is. Yeah, and I, I like to... As the opinions were coming in live and some weren't so positive, Sinzak jumped in and said, well, you can ask for your money back. <laughs> right? And I'm thinking, wait a second, you didn't pay nothing. Oh, that's what he meant. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You can always depend on Chris to uh, try to get sarcasm through, yeah, through yeah. a feed. I got to tell you, it's, you know, seeing Bob, Bruce, and Ace on stage together, like, that's pretty cool. That's a piece of rock and roll history. That's yeah. what I was telling somebody earlier, man. It's, it's like, 
listen, whether I love it or hate it, Kiss is a big part of rock and roll, overall rock and roll history. And within the Kiss umbrella, there's all these little tidbits of history, rock and roll history. And so last night to see Ace with Eric, with Bruce, with Bob, all on stage at one point in time. I mean, come on. You you haven't even seen that on a Kiss cruise, man. Yeah. And think about it. Music-wise, I don't think there's anybody branded like Kiss. Like, you know, Beatles has stuff out there. Jimi Hendrix has stuff out there. You can buy Nirvana stuff out there. But you can't buy Jimi Hendrix USB drives. Yeah. Right? Or bean bags or stuff like that. So... They've got that uh, set up so well, it mirrors Star Wars, yeah. right? It's Star Wars-esque. That's it, man. Yeah. That's it. Cool. So, anything else from last night stick out? What was your favorite moment from last night? Uh, Lita. Was it Cherry oh, my, No. Lita, just taking pictures with Lita. What was your favorite performance <laughs> moment last night, <laughs> jerk? <laughs> uh, I would say uh, Tough Love. Yeah, Tough, tough love. love. That's a tough song. That, and I would say that was one I thought Cold Jim was awesome, and I also enjoyed um, the Paul Stanley. Um, uh, Wouldn't you like to yeah. know me? Yeah. yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Todd's Todd's tone in his voice, I love it. I, I love still it. say, man, I'm telling you, when you like to know me is a damn Rick Springfield tune. I mean, literally, that's oh, all of Paul's solo albums like that. That song is so I can just hear Rick yeah. Springfield doing that tune, man. It's crazy. Uh, so I, you know, I so much to the point I wondered if he had a co-write on it, or I wonder if somebody, if Paul had written it for uh, Rick Springfield. I don't know, but. Uh, just it sticks in my head is that but yeah I love that moment I thought that was cool Bob Bob really uh, I know Bob didn't have a great day yesterday he's had some uh, problems yesterday he wasn't a happy camper yesterday but I think he was happy last night when he was playing that you know yeah, happy camper I don't. I saw him at breakfast he was fine I saw him eating dinner he was fine yeah. you know he was emotional on stage um, then there's some rumors he was emotional about some other things you know, there's a lot of personalities to manage. There, there's something. There's there's something you didn't hear, and I'll let Julian share that story oh. with you uh, because it's an interesting story. But I don't want to. I don't want to really talk about it here. Uh, but yeah, talk to Julian. It's an interesting. Story. Oh, okay. Uh, so hey, cool. Let's uh, jump back into this, and uh, we will have some talks throughout the day. Thank you, Hollywood. Later. Later. Rob Afiso, how are you, buddy? I am fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for coming over and spending a few minutes with us. My lovely wife takes <laughs> nice pictures. That one should look good. So, Rob, you're here for the 4 by Fate show tonight. Yes, sir. We're excited about that. I uh, just started listening to the record. I'm kind of excited. I'm li- I'm digging it. You know, it's a fun it's a fun album. It's uh, that's before I got involved, they sent me some of the music, and I said, wow, this you know this is. Um, this sounds it's good songwriting good catchy music it's good riffs and it um it caught my interest right away so yeah i enjoy it yeah you know and being a drummer you don't always see a lot of drummers that do a lot of songwriting but you're a full package musician you do the whole thing right yeah, I, but I mean, uh, to be, yes, I mean, I I do have some co-writing. I I rarely write all on my own. I don't 
I don't have uh, I haven't written one song right you know by Rob Afuso but no. but you have a background what do you it seems like to me like I read somewhere where you were doing some sort of um, a music school or something what is your background with that well I, I went to uh, I went to New York University NYU okay um, for college I got a bachelor's degree there and um, I studied uh, uh, music marketing PR and, and also minor okay. minored in drums yeah and uh, then I went on and started a company called Soul System Orchestras which I uh, do private events across around the world really for music and um, you know I run a big band called Soul System and uh, the company kind of morphed out of the, the success of the band so it became Soul System Orchestras. And so, um, you know, we do, do events for large companies like American Express, Fidelity, Liberty Mutual, right. those kinds of things. Yeah. yeah. So you, you actually have a real job. It's not just music. <laughs> so I, well, I run, I run, I own the company. I run, run that company. Um, and, you know, so I, I act as a, as a manager and an agent. Yeah. And then also I'm the band leader for Soul System. So that, that I, get, I get to do a lot of everything. And, um, and, and, you know, we all, all four of us and four by fate, um, you know, we've, we've all been around the block a few times. Yeah. So, so we sort of all kind of do the same thing for ourselves here with four by fate at the moment. But, um, yeah. So how much, how much of your time coming into the industry, say with uh, Skid Row and things like that kind of gave you your education for where you would eventually end up today? Well, I think you know, as a musician growing up, it's it's you're you're constantly absorbing information, education, experience, experiences, um, you know, life experiences, and then we go on. Um, you know, you learn. <laughs> you learn when uh, you know you you have an audition and you don't you don't get that position. You learn things about that. Um, you know, if you win all the time, I'm not sure if you're learning, but, um, yeah. so, you know, between all those life experiences and then being in Skid Row and, um, you know, there's a lot of, there was a lot of learning what not to do there as well. But, um, I mean, cause you were there from the beginning. So you, you had the crash course in, in zero to a yeah. hundred miles zero to a thousand. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. Yeah. And, you know, and that, it did happen at a, you know all of us were very young. I happened to be the oldest one of the group, and I was I think I was twenty four. So because uh, that, that was your that first point. serious thing, right? Yeah, yeah, for, for yeah, for all of us, really, yeah. yeah. I mean, everything to us was serious. That yeah, was the sure. first one that was yeah had any kind of momentum, right? Yeah, certainly, certainly did okay. That's awesome. So for you growing up, what was your kind of, how did you end up getting into music in general? Were your parents musicians? No, I, I honestly, it was just one of those things that I, I was born with. I had the passion for, I used to uh, grab, you know, well, I couldn't grab it because I couldn't reach the drawer. I was two and I started just banging on things with my mother's uh, wooden sticks, right. wooden spoons. I'm sorry. And then uh, they started. My parents started pulling out the, the pots and pans, and then I got a Mickey Mouse drum set at four. Um, so it was just inherent. I have no. My father. My father worked in finance at IBM, and my mother was more of a home homemaker. So yeah. I don't know. It just just came. You have. Uh, do you have uh, siblings? 
I have a younger brother, Alan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you being the older brother, then how? Who turned you on to music and rock and roll in general? Because usually it's the it's the older sibling yeah, turning. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, actually, my mom turned me on to a lot a lot of music uh, initially. Um, in fact, which is kind of funny that she took me to my first concert, I think I was 12, was Peter Frampton, Frampton Comes Alive, and, and now you know, I'm playing with John yeah, Regan, so, but great. obviously John wasn't in the band then, but, right. um, uh, but my mom turned me on to a lot of stuff, and then uh, she, she had a job, uh, she met this, this uh, gentleman who was actually homeless, she found out he was homeless, so she offered him a, a place to live at our home if he taught me how to play drums. And that's that sort of was start that, of my mentoring. Yeah. That's an awesome story, man. Yeah. So what was the first, do you remember like what the first rock record you ever bought with your own money was? It actually might... I don't, that's a good question. I don't. It might have might have been... Aqualung. Really? By so, tell. So Might have been. Yeah, so that's funny because my brothers and sisters, I was the youngest of all my brothers and sisters, and my brothers and sisters had all this vinyl, and so my parents were much older, and uh, Glenn Dorsey and things like that. But my, my brothers and sisters had, you know, the the purple and the and the Jethro Tull, and the Aqualung album cover always scared me as a kid. That, I, for whatever reason, it was always in the front row of all the vinyl, and the damn old you. man scared me as yeah, a kid. It was a bit creepy, but I think that was the point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's cool. So that's, how, that's you're making me think. Yeah, I don't man. Know what, I don't know what album that would was would have been. I don't know, and it definitely was an album. Yes. Yeah. Well, because I bought, I used to buy. Um, uh, I don't know uh, how similar we are in age. I'm 51, so I used to buy the 45. You're, you're much older than me. Am I? <laughs> no. no. So That's okay. We're all old. You used to buy the 45s, and I had like the Bay City Rollers uh-huh. and Neil Sedak and things like that. And then you eventually you graduate to vinyl and stuff. And for me, the first albums I bought were was uh, Boston's debut oh, and uh, I think the Cars Great debut. album. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I was trying to zone in on what what was that because when you spend that first month that your own money you're vested in whatever it was yeah, you were buying. Yeah. That's a really good question, man. I, I don't know. But I'm just guessing. Also, may I was also a big Emerson Lake and Palmer fan. Were you? Yeah. So it it might have been might I know I bought I'm I know I bought Emerson Lake and Palmer albums. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't surprise yeah, me. That yeah, yeah. I, that's right in that wheelhouse. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Missed. I talked to uh, I, I talked to Steve Stevens um, a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying how much of a Yes fan he was. He liked ELP as well, but he but he went after Yes. Uh, that's funny. Cause I'm similar, same thing, but yeah. I prefer ELP. Yeah, that's cool. That's good. You hey, when you were a kid, let me ask you this: When you were a kid, were you like the rest of us, and you hung by the tour buses or went knocking on hotel doors? No, no, not no. at all. No, I was, you didn't have no. any heroes you went after. Huh? I was pretty shy. Yeah, but yeah, and and frankly, I I was more interested in going back and practicing. That's cool. Yeah, dedicated to uh, the- you know, I not that I wasn't a fan. But um, I didn't do that. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Most of us did yeah. at some point. So I do. So well, what I, well, okay. So truth be told, I do remember trying to chase down Stevie Nicks. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. 
Fair enough. Yeah. At least that's something, you know? Because, because I don't think it, I, I'm not sure it was about being a fan. Yeah, I, I, it might have been for the other reason. Yeah. Same reason a lot of us young guys went after Lita. Yeah. 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 Okay. But yeah, hey, um, yeah, you got a lot of stuff going on, so I'm not going to take any more of your time, but I do want you to leave us with picking a 4 by 8 song for us to play out. What do you want to play off the new record? Well, I have... Uh, it's interesting, you know, because I actually shared the record with, with AJ, who, yeah. who passed away in the middle of that. Um, and I think uh, two of my favorite tracks, so I'm going to give you two, one I play on and one I don't. Okay. I think one, one, one of my favorites that I play on is Moonshine. Okay. Love that track. Cool. Uh, it actually, when, when they first brought it to me, kind of, there's something that reminded me of... Um, a little bit of Night Train by by Guns N' Roses. Right. Um, not as not as edgy, of course, but I love that. Right. And the other one was um, Levy Levy okay. Break, yeah. which is AJ. That's AJ on yeah. there. And I just said to the guys, I, I said to them the other day at rehearsal, I was like, man, I wish I played this on the album. It's it's a great tune, great groove. So. Both of those are, are two of my favorite tracks I, on there. I like them both, but I'm going to honor you with playing a little moonshine because I right. dig that tune. So. Thank you. Yeah, it's a cool tune. Thank you. Rob, thanks again for your time, buddy. Right on. Thank you. Won't you take me down, downtown? of the Indie Kiss Expo. Day two. We're a little slower this morning, aren't we? We are a lot slower <laughs> this morning. But we en- we ended on a damn positive note, in my opinion, last night, right? The whole day was really incredible. I mean, it's been a, a celebrity-filled entire day, and then last night's performance was, in, was really, really, really good. I was very pleased. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it started out... To me, because I was used to Atlanta and the Kiss Expo, it started out kind of slow because it's set up completely different and the traffic is completely different. But 
uh, once the general public was allowed in, it got things picked up and um, we had all kinds of people stopping by and it, and it turned out really well. And then the concert last night, the, uh, the jam sessions and all that stuff, man, I thought that was amazing because in my opinion, we saw some things last night that, w- that we're not going to see again. I mean, you saw Ace... And both the Kulik brothers and Eric Singer on stage together. You're exactly. Not gonna, you're not going to see that again. Never. <laughs> so, so what? Let's start with the the top of the the night for concerts and stuff. Uh, so the first thing up was uh, the Gene Simmons band, right? Yes. And uh, you know, I hadn't talked to Phil during the day, so some people knew sort of what was coming, but I had no idea. I thought they were just going to get up there and jam some Kiss songs, but they they didn't do that at all. They they basically did sort of a rock and roll residency thing, which is they busted out some Sammy Hagar, some Motorhead, some Pat Travers, uh, and I think the surprise moment of that set was what? Tell the folks. Well, you actually had Chuck Garrett get back up there, which he was actually one of the he was the originator of uh, the, the the rock and roll residency. Mm-hmm. He was the original bass player. Yep. And then, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, they brought up Lita Ford. That was the big one, and that was really cool. And uh, she did she did Cherry Bomb, Cherry Bomb, man, yes. and that was awesome. I think I I think I streamed that live last night, and so it's out on the Grown Up Rock. Uh, Facebook page, but uh, I thought it sounded great. I thought she did an awesome job. You know, it was kind of a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, done uh, exactly. type thing. But I love that song, man. Exactly. No, I was. We had talked to Jeremy <clears throat> earlier in the week, yeah. and uh, same thing. We we asked him kind of what their plan was. And he said, you know, he goes honestly. I think we're gonna uh, basically do like a residency res- uh, residency show, and. Uh, and he, he didn't say. And he said, honestly, he said, we don't know what we're going to play to be exact. I know that Lita was going to come up at some point. And uh, I tell you what, they brought ET up too. That yeah. dude, his Gene Simmons is just flat. Yeah, he's really good. Oh he, my god, he's a cool dude too. He jumped on the mic with us yesterday, and we talked to ET a little bit about his story. And uh-huh. uh, uh, you know, he's he's kind of. He's in that whole circle and that whole clique of Nashville folks, so he's friends with all these guys. But and he steps in on the residency; he's part of the Blonder and Hell thing. But he doesn't. He's kind of you know he he doesn't really. He's not playing with somebody else's band or anything. He's just kind of right now. He's just kind of doing his own thing, I guess. You know exactly. So so then after the Gene Simmons band got done playing, they played for about thirty minutes or so. Uh, then it was time for the Eric Singer All-Star Jam Band. And, um, you know, I guess the Kulik brothers who are officially playing tonight, they weren't really slated to play last night, but uh, they played yes. last night, you know, a little bit. So what's your take on that? You know, it was it was kind of funny because, you know, they came out and they really, you know, it was basically Ace's show. I mean, and they let Ace, you know, kind of shine in that. Um I thought it was really good. And, you know, and the thing was, you know, Ace was getting a lot of uh, flack uh, last week. I know there was a lot of at M3. Was it From M- the M3, M3, yeah, yeah. There was a lot of uh, people saying, oh, he was playing terrible. and, and Is he back on back the sauce? On, back on the sauce, off the wagon. And, you know, I had I had made a call to a friend of mine who was up there and just asked him flat out. I said, what, what's your opinion on it? And he texted me back and said, you know, I talked to him. He said he is sick as a dog. I mean, he was really – he's been battling bronchitis. Yeah. 
and his schedule, you know, and, and people people need to understand that this man is <laughs> how old is he? Sixty eight. Sixty. Yeah, I was going to say sixty seven, sixty eight. Sixty seven, sixty eight. So this is not a young dude. I mean, anybody of that age. Especially with the schedule, because I know Ace for sure was down here at 8 a.m. yesterday, and he was working the entire day. So you got nearly a 70-year-old man, and let's face it, Ace isn't on a treadmill or jogging. So physically, Ace is not a prime specimen, not to mention the ridiculous amount of years that he tore his body up with drugs and alcohol and everything else. So take all of that into account and understand that the man is withered. I don't know any other way to do it. So when you've got somebody whose body is already sort of broken down with the age and then they get like bronchitis or they get the flu or they get anything else, it's twice as bad as it would be on a 40-year-old man um, who, you know, eats a steady diet and jogs uh, three times a week, right? Exactly. And plus his schedule, I mean, they just run him like a dog. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I said yesterday, he was over there signing. He, t- he was taking pictures for a while. And I noticed he walked, they walked him down and he went to the restroom and came back. And then he did the, um, uh, all the autograph sessions. But like you said, he was on his feet or sitting there talking to people all day long. And like I said, he was there early in the morning till that evening. Yep. And then he jumps up on stage. Yeah. And his playing last night was really good. Yeah, I thought I, it was fine. I thought it was, I thought it was, it was Ace, you know, and Ace is not, you know, Inve Momstein. He nah. is Ace Freely. And yeah, he's always, he's been sloppy since day one. <laughs> that's what Ace does. But I thought he played well. He was singing, yeah. you know, doing, and I, I thought he did really well. Yeah. I missed the last part. I went out, was going to the restroom, and that's when Ace left the stage. Uh-huh. And that's when, and they were walking him to the car. And I'm like, well, you know what? I'm going to kind of watch this. So I went out and yeah. kind of watched it. And it was funny, you know, to watch how they, you know, handle He him. has a lot of handlers, oh, just so y'all know. He's got, like, <laughs> literally at all times of the day because he went into the bathroom. And I, I was going to go in the bathroom. They held me off from going in the bathroom because they wanted <laughs> him to be able to, to have some privacy. So um, I think there was – so there's John, his John's, tour manager. He's there. He's, he's constant. <laughs> and then they've got uh, a couple of what look like to be security guys because you got the one biker-looking dude that's pretty big, but then – and you have the um, you have the more business like um, uh, kind of wise guy, if I can say. Maybe he is a wise guy, knowing Ace is a bronze boy, but uh, <laughs> it's kind of the wise guy looking guy who is a hundred percent, a hundred and fifty percent, very cool with me right. um, as far as hey. You know, wait a few minutes, go in the bathroom if you can. Uh, Ace is in there right now, and he is totally 100% very cool and respectful with me. And so he has all these people that are kind of surrounding him. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> you can tell it's kind of like helping your grandpa to the car, right? It was, and that's why it was really funny when I seen that this was going to be happening. I just kind of walked outside the door, kind of stood there at the wall. Because there was actually about there was three policemen out there, sheriffs or, or sheriff deputies, along with his entourage. 
then they bring this big black uh, suburban around and they're all jumping in the one guy opens the back of the thing he dives in the back and shuts it down. it's almost like a like a like a, the the, the president <laughs> so i sit out there and watch that and was just kind of int- you know kind of intrigued and you know just yeah. i thought it was really cool by the time i got back in it was over with i'm yeah. like well what the hell did i miss you know <laughs> yeah exactly so the only food fighter fan we've ever had on the podcast <laughs> yeah and i did and i didn't actually say we just kind of started hanging out and talking but uh obviously um let me just say for our listeners uh with, this is dennis dennis talbot from ages of rock podcast dennis i have you been on the show before on your show? Yeah, I guess you just did the Atlanta thing, right? Yeah, you did a little piece you, in Atlanta. Right. And then you were on our show. When yeah, you yeah. We did that, uh, talked about the Aussie album. Aussie yeah. gu- uh, guitar players. Yes. Three th- top Aussie guitar players. That was a long time ago. Yeah, that was. So, so what, y'all don't want me back on your show? No, well, sure, just anytime. No. <laughs> no, yeah, so it's it's good. So, yeah, we have all the Ages of Rock guys here, as well as Kiss FAQ and the Classic Rock Rock guys and Podcast Rock City. We are representing the rock and roll podcast community. And so I wanted to sit down and spend some time and get everybody's kind of feedback on their perspective of how the day went, because we've all experienced it from different angles and different things. And it's uh, fun to kind of get opinions uh, from different people, um, you know, that not only podcasters, but fans and things like that, because uh, the people that couldn't make it to this thing, you know, it's kind of like including them in uh, in indie, so that's oh, that's, exactly. that's the point of this. So, I appreciate your take. Anything else you want to? What was your highlight from last night out of everything that that went down? Do you think? Honestly, I like the Gene Simmons man. I think yeah. that they're they're a great group of musicians, and I tell you what, they're the, the nicest guys you ever meet. They're funny. Yeah. I've talked to Ryan quite a bit. He, um, actually, he turned me on to vintage guitars, and uh, yeah, you bought one. I actually right? bought one, yeah. and. Uh, so I've been texting back and forth with him, and then Philip Chalice, you know, we've been talking to him, and then Jeremy, and the guys are just just general, just cool dudes. Well, the reason the reason that is is because those guys, when we had Phil Chalice back on the show way back when, like when it wasn't quite cool enough uh, to have people yet, but we had we had Phil on the show, uh, like literally back around episode, like I don't know what it was, eight or nine or something like that. Um, and, you know, we learned about Phil through Decibel Geeks. They were all friends through the Nashville Connection. Right. And Phil's super cool. But what makes all three of those dudes super cool, I think, is that they're they're fans first and foremost of music and i think that there's a lot of us um that just uh well i'll speak for myself i don't want to speak for dennis but for me i'm not talented enough to get on stage and rip a guitar that's not my thing i can play some riffs and uh i gave up guitar a long time ago i still like to noodle around but that's that's my thing i know dennis plays steadily and gigs steadily so i'm not speaking for him but myself so I'm sort of living through these guys' eyes because not only are they cool and not only do they talk rock and roll and they love rock and roll, I gravitate towards people like that because I can sit down at a table and shoot the shit all day long, which is basically what we do on podcast, right? Exactly. We shoot the shit all day long. So I think that's why people like you and I, we really gravitate to those guys, right? It's the same not only with the three of them, 
Phil, Jeremy, and Ryan, but it's also the same with Christopher Williams. I was just going to say Christopher Williams, Brent, same thing. Brent, Brent Fitz, same exactly. thing. Todd Kern, same thing. So all those guys are the same exact DNA, makeup, whatever you want to call it, which is today's musicians grew up on the stuff that we love and so they're fans first and foremost if you exactly. the one thing that's funny when you talk to any of those guys they all say basically the same thing which is holy shit you know I, it's kind of the the moment from the rock star the movie i grew up with the posters of these dudes <laughs> on my wall and now i'm one of them right exactly and most of them they'll say that you know they'll even tell you you know here here you know they've been touring with gene and doing all this stuff and they just say it's surreal. You know, they just, it's like, and then we were talking about, you know, going to Australia. Now they're going to back Ace Freely. Yeah. And they go. Who, who gets this, to do that? And, and last they, night playing Cherry Bomb right. with Lita. Exactly. So all these cool <laughs> things they get to do. I mean, I found myself. So yesterday I went back to the room in between um, the end of the expo and before we went out to see the concert last night. I went back to my room. And I got on the elevator, and on the elevator was myself, Bob Kulick, and Bruce Kulick. Right. So it was a surreal moment. I'm in the <laughs> elevator with Bob and Bruce, and I'm and I'm listening to him. I'm I'm in the back, just crouching down, going, "God, I hope they don't see me." Right. And I'm listening to the conversation, and they're talking about playing last night before that it happened and I hear I hear Bruce say something to the effect of yeah I don't know what we're going to do I'm basically going to just ask Ace what do you want to do and I'm just going to say whatever you want to do Ace we're doing it (laughs) so it's basically hey boss what do you want to do not that he's their boss it's just you know kind of the tip to the godfather right hey godfather what do you want to do Uh, and so you know uh, I think that's cool because they don't have an ego to where they know the they know the lineage and the and the legend right. So they right. they tip their hands to the guy that that was there at the beginning. And even though they have their own history and they do their own thing, you know, they're able to say, "Hey, we're we understand right. uh, what what Kiss fandom is," uh, and they go with that. So it's cool. And that same way, you know, <clears throat> not to change the subject, but talking about that that rock star image that you think they are during you know when our three years of our podcast with the people that we've talked to and the people that we've met they're everybody is just a person yeah you know and i don't care how big of a person you are or how famous you are like dave Grohl, take him for instance you know he's got heroes too mm-hmm. you know when Lemmy and stuff so it's just a pecking order but no matter how how famous you are you've got people that you go oh my gosh that's that's so and so and you know they're they're so uh, and like i said once you realize that those people get up in the morning do the same thing you do yeah they just they just get to do a little bit funner <laughs> yeah. in, in a nicer house <laughs> i think i think where i struggle and i'm i'm the same way i mean listen i i started out at a young age and we worked around um different um rock Productions and things like that. That's how I got started in the business and became a tour manager. So I was around a lot of people at different times. Right. Uh, I, I don't want to keep telling the story, but it's part of the story, which is, for me, the fir- one of the first things I did as a 16-year-old kid was help set up the drum kit for Eric Carr on the Animalized tour. Wow. So if you can imagine a 16-year-old kid standing on the drum riser next to Eric Carr's kit looking at an empty arena before an animalized show, 
you have to kind of put yourself in that headspace and go, holy shit. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah, so, so put yourself in that headspace, and that's where, for me, things like that started. So, I mean, I've been around people, but where I struggle as a fan is I fight my fandom, I, and, and there's a constant um, tug-of-war between my fandom the inner kid in me, the professional in me, which is, you know, you don't want to be, you want to be taken seriously and you don't want to be a fanboy. So the professional in me, but sometimes when you know you're seeing things like, like last night, you're seeing a small piece of rock and roll history because, you know, Kiss is historic in the annals of rock and roll. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, and I don't know if I just used anal correctly, <laughs> but... <laughs> hey, it's funny. But I'm going to be... Maybe... Anytime you get a butt joke in there, let's let, me get, let me get a word check. Is annals of history correct or no? <laughs> the halls of history, how's that? It's annals. annals. I got a word check. <laughs> Alexa, correct annals yeah. of history. I don't know if I'm going to edit that out because that's kind no, of fucking funny. You got to leave it in. But you yeah. know the thing is though too, you got to look at this. It's it's emotional, you know, it is. and that's and that's where, like you said, if you're trying to be professional and you're trying to keep your shit together, but I mean, there's just sometimes the emotions hit you, you know, and that little kid and you just yeah. runs out and like yeah, and then you get that fanboy moment, and you know what. That's but, cool, and I think people appreciate that. But you know? I never want to be. I never want to be like. No matter what happens to this podcast, no matter what happens to me on a professional level, I literally never want to lose the fandom in me because oh, no. I'm I'm so passionate about music. It's meant so much to me right. over the course of my life that I don't want to lose that. But at the same time, I also want some respect. Like I don't want, I don't want, I don't want every oh, time I, Steve. yeah, I don't want every time I do an interview, the guy to roll his eyes and go, oh, holy shit, not this guy again, you know. So it's you remember like, that time, you know. Yeah, and I think you know, I think when I conduct interviews, I try to keep it light and I try to keep it, I try to get a a even mixture of uh, serious questioning and straight ahead questioning, but at the same time loose because I always want to have that. Feeling feeling of two dudes hanging out kind right. of thing you know so that's basically it we do the same thing yeah. you know it's, it's always to call it not an interview but it's it's basically a conversation yeah. you know it's just like you're talking to a friend right for sure <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> never mind <laughs> anyway dennis would you like to talk no <laughs> <laughs> no actually i've learned over my my time in my three years I had to do a lot of talking over people so I've learned to kind of just sit there and let people talk and then jump in no I, I'm fine I think my this is pro- your show this is not the Talbot I show I think my problem is is when I'm passionate about something I get on a roll and it just kind of flows for for the listeners that are out there and I won't edit this out but my wife is sitting next to me and she decides to write on a piece of paper am I gonna let uh, Dennis talk so and then again you know right. and then again Food drink fighters Spotify and then, and then again we should do a drinking we were just show. talking about that oh I just let my wife drink and then again drink 
Yeah, my wife said that uh, you'd probably have alcohol poisoning by the time when you were done with the thing. Yeah. Well, that's part of what, when we started doing the word of the day, which uh, we haven't been consistent in our word of the day, but for a while we were doing a word of the day in each podcast episode, and part of the idea was drink responsibly, but have people drink every time we worked in a word right. into the podcast, right? That's funny. So it's kind of funny, but... Uh, but yeah, hey, so thanks for oh, jumping no on and giving us perspective. We're going to be talking to many, many other people over the course of the day. The day's just getting started. Looking for forward us. to tonight, too. Yeah, oh and tonight's going to be Pretty interesting. Epic. Epic. Uh, Fraley's Comet Reunion, 4 by Fate playing, Kulik Brothers playing. So tonight's going to be epic. I mean, when's in the, I mean, when you thought you were ever going to see... Freely's comment ever play again? Yeah, I mean, that's just crazy. well. That's I mean, crazy. they did the they did like the three songs. That's true. That's thing, true. Right? And I think that's what you're going to see tonight. Yeah, probably. You're going to see about three songs. Yeah, and that's cool. Whatever. But I want to see Four by Fate too. I like those guys. You I know, know, I kind of like them. I don't know. I don't know a whole bunch about them. So I started streaming the record this morning when I was working out, and I liked what I heard. Sunny, Sunny doesn't dig it which i thought was funny because it's right up sonny's kind of alleyway but for whatever reason and he couldn't tell me exactly what it is you know how we are right Right. sometimes you just don't dig something there's no right or no reason why it just is what it is and he he couldn't it it didn't sink for him um and so i'm interested to see it live because i'm guessing that live it might come across a little bit heavier which i think is cool right exactly (laughs) so it'll be interesting to see so anyway that's it we'll talk to everybody a little bit later see ya see ya All right, so welcome to the show, Pat Gasparini. Pleasure to be here, my friend. Thanks so much for spending a few minutes of time. Let's get into this. Oh, fantastic. I love it. I love growing up rock, man. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself? I'm doing awesome. So I got I to gotta ask, because you're kind of the unknown in all this. I went to do some research on 4 by Fate, and I can't find hardly shit on Pat Gasparini. So what is your story? <laughs> well, let's take rewind it a second. So I, um, I was in a band called Pound my, um, on Universal Records in right. the 90s. Okay. And um, put a couple of records out with that band, and then in a band called Flywheel, put a couple albums out with that band. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm a, a writer and a producer, so I'm constantly writing and producing for various artists. Right. And um, which led me to, um, you know, I started working together writing some songs with uh, with the 4 by Fate guys. Okay. John and I met um, in the tr- in the middle of all of the making of this of this 4 by Fate record. Right. And, um, you know, we just started progressing forward and uh, I invited him to uh, my studio to play on a track. Okay. And, which ended up being on Relentless. Okay. And, which song? Uh, Follow Me. Okay. And, and um, you know, we wrote some more, you know, and, you know, Todd is a terrific songwriter. Um and him and I, you know, uh, penned, you know, most of the record. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of how, uh, that's kind of how it, it went. It's a long story, really short. So um, I have a studio. I have engineers work for me. I wish, uh, you know, I can get around, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm primarily a songwriter. Okay. So I'm always, you know, writing in the studio. I own a studio and, uh, and um, 
I'm, you know, writing on projects all the time. Have you written for anybody else? I've written, you know, uh, yeah, I've written quite a, you know, I write for every, you know, I, I write a lot of songs for a, a lot of different people. So, so that's kind of how, um, how the connection came with four by faith. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. That explains a lot that helps me out. But now what I want to do is find out how you ended up the songwriter and the artist that you are today playing with four by fate by kind of going back and, and, uh, starting sort of near the beginning, which is how do you end up getting into music in general Were your parents musicians I started, um, my parents aren't musicians, but everybody in my family are musicians. So, uh, you know, I started playing guitar when I was five years old and started singing and playing. You know, um, I played my first club when I was 13 and, uh, and kind of went from there, you know, uh, um, hit the ground running and never looked back. Yeah. And that's kind of how it started. Okay, so what was stopped? <laughs> what was it for you that drew you into guitar? Because you're a guitar player first and foremost. Right? Correct. Yeah. So what was it that drew you into guitar? What was that moment where you said, you know, I think I can do this for for a career. I think I love playing guitar. I mean, what was that moment for you? Oh man, um, you know. So growing up in the house, we grew up uh, around a lot of. Um, a lot of country, a lot of gospel, a lot of Elvis, a lot of Frank Sinatra. I mean, as a as a young kid, you know, growing up and all this great music and and um, I have to tell you, when I was a little kid, you know, I was amazed by how like guys like Roy Clark and um, you know, I'm going way back when I'm a little kid. Yeah, I saw Hee Haw. Do you watch Hee Haw? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, good lord, that's amazing, you know. And, uh, you know, so there was always Elvis in the house. And, you know, I started watching that Jailhouse Rock and yeah. as a little kid. And that's kind of what, you know, yeah, that's what fueled the fire. Yeah. So, you know, honestly, when I turned 18, I, I, I'm from New York. Um, I hit the ground running to uh, California, started working out there for a couple of years and, and really started, you know, seriously doing music at that age and yeah. uh, signed my first deal. Uh, I signed my first publishing deal in the 90s and first major recording deal in, in, in the late 90s. And I've been blessed, you know, I've been blessed to have a good run. You know, That's I've got awesome, like man. seven or eight albums out, and now which I... led me to, uh, you know, to, to working with these guys, which are a great bunch of guys. Love them to death. We made a great record. And, um, you know, we all have uh, other projects going on. You know, Todd has a solo project and, uh, and Rob has his soul system. And I also have a solo project called the Patrick James Band. That's coming out late summer. That's today's musical environment. You got to do a billion yeah. different things. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yep. that's what's going on with that. And, um, you know, I have a song called Thank You that's number five on the new country charts. Awesome, right now. man. Yeah. So, uh, are you, where are you based out of? Where I'm based out of upstate New York. Okay. So my wife is originally from upstate New York. Oh, right so. on. Where? Whereabouts? She is from the Boston Spa area. Okay. Are you familiar with I that? love Yeah, it's by Lake George. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love it up there. It's yeah. like about an hour and a half, two hours from us. Yeah, that's yeah, it's, right. It's a beautiful yeah, area. Oh, it's beautiful country up there. It is, especially uh, in the summer. Yeah, no doubt. So out of this motley crew that you're with today, are you the are you the youngest of the of the bunch? I'm the baby of the bunch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, you, you look like the young one of the bunch. Yeah. Uh, it's awesome. 
So that's cool because you can pull from all these different experiences that these guys have, right? Because a lot of the lot of you have seen all this, seen and done all these cool things, right? right? Uh, collectively, yeah. you guys got a lot of experience between you. Absolutely. The record is new to me. I just started spinning it because I knew that the I knew you guys were playing tonight. I was looking forward to that. Obviously, I knew John and Todd. Uh, you know, Anton. Not that he's in the band, but I knew. Right. The whole, the whole history, history yeah, with that, yeah, long history, with that Great. whole bunch. So I'm a fan as well, so I'm excited to see these guys do it. Right, you know, um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm excited that they, you know, these guys get a chance to have a reunion after 30 years that's 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 great for them and i'm looking forward to hearing four by faith yeah play, man i mean know? it's a it's a great band so they kick some serious booty man i liked what i heard <laughs> i listened i listened to half the record this morning on my run and so uh, i didn't run far <laughs> so i listened to half the record and i really enjoyed what i heard so i'm looking forward to listening to the rest of that and then i'm also looking forward to seeing it live as well absolutely so that's great. Can't wait to bring it, man. Can't wait to bring it. So, hey, I appreciate you spending some time. But before I let you get out of here, uh, one thing I want to do is ask you to uh, pick a song to play us out. You can pick whatever you want. doesn't really matter to me. So uh, pick something to play us out. Off the Relentless record? Uh, sure. Um, it can be something that influenced you as an artist. How about Life in a Fast Lane? Life in the Fast Lane, yeah. the Eagles, Joe yeah. Walsh. Yeah. Uh, either way, let's let's play that one. Yeah. All right. Life in the Fast Lane.
My name's Chris Cogdell, and I'm from Sterling, Illinois. Spell that last name for me. C-O-G-D-A-L-L. Sweet. And so yesterday you had the pleasure of doing the Gene Simmons Vault Experience in Chicago, right? I did. Tell us about it. It was very, uh, it was really interesting. Uh, Gene couldn't have been any nicer. And Shannon, very candid, very fun. Shannon was there? Yeah, Yeah, and very joking, telling stories about each other. And uh, just put on a really good show. It was, it. I didn't know what to expect going into it. Yeah. You know, I I'd never met Gene one on one before, and I, you know, you always hear the stories about Gene kind of being, you know, right. Gene. I mean, he's a rock star. He's yeah. the god of thunder. You know. Right. And it it was just a different side of him than I didn't expect to to see. You know, the Gene the the average man there you know hanging out with his chick and just regular fans and he could not have been any nicer and any more personable to the fans right on so let me ask this because obviously in order to do the vault you got to be like a huge kiss fan either that or a huge gene simmons fan which is it i'm a I've been a KISS fan forever. Yeah, okay. So you decided to flip the bill and, and get this vault, right? Yeah. Um, and so for you, after it's all said and done here at the end, was it worth it to you overall? Yes. Okay. And I'm assuming, have you heard, Have you, how, how much of the music have you listened to or any of it yet? I haven't heard any okay. of it yet. I came here after that. Yeah. Oh, and, and what a great double bill, right? That works <laughs> out great. I know. Where you, uh, you're from originally, you said... The west, western part of Illinois. Okay. Um, so all within driving distance. Are you, You're staying uh, for the full thing, right? You're staying for the night. You're going to watch the show tonight. Yeah, yeah. Which will be awesome. Last night was amazing. I didn't, ca- I didn't catch it last I came in last yeah. night, but I was beat after. I got gotcha. you. Being in Chicago and then having to drive to <laughs> Chicago again on my way down here. I was, <laughs> it's fun, right? I, I was spent last night. How, so. how long did your vault experience last? Uh, they they talked for about an hour and a half. So I mean, it, they told quite a few stories, and then once they started kicking people through, I, being that I'm a C, yeah, I was for one of the first ones to go through. Right. So, and he talked to us for you know five to seven minutes, and you know signed signed everything we wanted him to sign, and he was just joking around with us, you know, and jab, jabbing with us. And, What'd you have him sign on the top of your vault? Uh. I, to be honest with you, I, I blanked. Really? Yeah, I had, you know, I had him there, and he's like, "What do you want on this?" And I'm like, "I just, I couldn't uh, think uh, of anything." Yeah, you know, I hear I have the God of Thunder right there. What? And he asked me what I want, and I, just, I don't know. <laughs> so what did he end up putting? I, I think he just put rock. He wrote my name on it, put rock on. Okay. Signed Gene Simmons on there. I, I didn't expect it, and I was just. Okay, so now that moment's over. <laughs> What would you like signed on the top of your I, vault right now? I, I just, I don't even know. I've been, I've been kicking myself ever since that. I, I was all prepared for it walking in there. You know, I was going to joke around with him, and I got in there, and I got the cotton. You froze. Got the cotton mouth, and I walked in there. I just, 
You froze. Yeah, I did. I did. I didn't think it was going to happen. I, I'd been preparing myself all week for it, and it just happened. So I, I think I've heard you say it a couple of times, so here's my suggestion. I think you might have been really, really happy if you would have signed it. Hey, dude, I'm the God of Thunder, Gene yeah, Simmons, he, he right? Wrote, I mean, he's Dr. Love, God of Thunder. You yeah. know, he's got all them names, you know. And right on. Here he was, you know, talking to me personally. You know, he's the, the guy I've been watching my whole life. Yeah. So that's cool. That must have been surreal for you, for sure. It was. It was definitely surreal. Who'd you take with you to the experience? Uh, just a buddy of mine. Because yeah. you take, you can take one, right? Yeah, yeah. A buddy of mine that goes to Kiss concerts with me. You know, just somebody that I, that I knew would appreciate it as much as I did. And have you ever met any of the members of Kiss before this? Yeah, I'd met Paul. I went to uh, the when they did the residency out in Vegas. Okay. He was out there signing books. Oh, cool. So I went to, I met him out there. Yeah. And then I did, uh, when they played Moline at the Freedom uh, Rock Tour World, whatever that one was, a couple years ago. Right. I did the uh, experience thing there where you could go backstage and, and uh, you know, they take their picture. Yeah, right yeah. They did the acoustic thing and sign. Have you ever done a Kiss cruise? No, no. I, I, that's on, on my next on my list. On it, it seems like every time I look for them, though, either they fill up pretty quick. They do. Yeah, even this one because I looked at this one. I was considering doing this Kiss cruise this year because it's so good. But um, you know, everybody that's done it in the past, they get first crack. And so once the first crackers uh, get at it, there's very few cabins left. And so you have to kind of get in there quick. And then if not, you go on a waiting list. And so, yeah. Yeah, it didn't seem that bad price-wise. It didn't seem like out of the realm. I mean, if you pay $2,000 for a vault, I mean. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, for a cruise, it didn't seem like it was out of the question. I think it's two people. I think uh, two people can get in there for right around 3500 bucks for an inside cabin or something. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, just to your point, it's not out of the realm if you're busting out two grand for uh, for a vault. So what did you get in your secret compartment for the vault? Um, There was a brochure from a Tokyo Kiss convention. Okay. There was a pin from another Kiss convention, a hard rock thing. And then there was a Destroyer era, a coin folder. And then there was a picture from that same era in there. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So you're pretty happy with the little secret uh, uh, Cracker Jack stuff, right? From what I looked, I didn't look at it too much. I didn't crack into it too hard. Yeah, so our um, uh, co-host, we call him Hollywood, our co-host here did... um, uh, the first one, the first L.A. experience is what he did. Uh, so we always like to talk to people to kind of compare notes and see, you know, who, what, what each person's experience was in the vault. Did, did they do any, did Gene do an acoustic thing by himself where he told stories or did he play it all or? He, he, I don't think he did a complete song. Yeah. He uh, messed around on the guitar a little bit and then they brought, uh, the host did a couple of things with him, trying to kind of keep him on track, you know, kind of push him in a right. couple certain directions. Yep. But then Shannon came up, and they did some crowd questions, and they kind of went through that quite a bit. And uh, Was anybody else there, any other uh, um, artists there with him, or, or was no, just Shannon and Gene? Just Shannon and Gene, and, cool. and uh, 
Gene made a lot of fun of Paul. He was really uh, yeah. <laughs> making fun of Paul quite a bit. That's and, funny. Yeah, it was really funny what he was doing. And uh, then they were giving him uh, the Shriners were there, and Gene's big on charities yeah. for a lot of stuff with that. And there was a a Shriner Child Hospital or something in Chicago, so they were giving him some awards for that up there. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, so let me ask you a series of KISS questions since we're at a okay. KISS convention. I don't know. Okay, how about this? So how about um, give me uh, your top three KISS records in no particular order, so you don't have to rank them. Just tell me what your top three records are. All right. Well, it's probably not popular, but my very first one was Crazy Night, so okay. i got to throw that one on there. All right. And then I'm going to throw Dress to Kill. Okay. And then Destroyer. All right. Getting a little love. Yeah. There's nothing wrong. I know quite a few people that are Crazy Nights came into it on Crazy Nights. I mean, that, love it. My first concert yeah. was that one there. It was right on. February of 87. So th- this is cool for you since you can uh, maybe uh, get in on a Bruce Kulik thing or yeah. something. So yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. And how about um, how about your uh, your favorite two Desert Island records that aren't Kiss? That aren't Kiss. Because I know you listen to other rock and roll. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Bob Seger. Okay. Live bullets on there. Okay. And. Uh, Black Crow Shake Your Money Maker. Okay. I'd have to enough. throw that one on there, fair too. Fair enough. That's all good, man. Good rock and roll. Hey, man, I appreciate you spending some time with us. Hey, no problem. Dude. Anything I'll, for a Kiss fan. That's We're rock and roll fans in general. So before we let you go, man, why don't you pick a song to play us out? All right, my favorite one. Yeah. It has to be off of Crazy Nights, and it's Hell or High Water. Hell or High Water, that's it. We're going to play that out. Thanks, man. Yep, thank you.
Mr. Reagan, how are you today? Sir, good morning. Good morning to you. Pleasure to be here. Uh, pleasure to have you, sir. So, an interesting story. We like to talk on Growing Up Rock about how people got into rock and roll. And I just spoke with uh, Rob Afuso from 4 by Fate, your bandmate. Yes. And so I'm talking to him, and he shares the story about his first concert uh, that he thinks his mom took him to was... Uh, was Frampton Comes Alive. Now, I know you weren't in the band at the time with Frampton, but I kind of think it's kind of interesting yeah. that now he's in a band with John Reagan, right? So. Yeah, I joined Peter's band about uh, a year and a half after that uh, iconic record came out. Right. And uh, I think it was required, like with every box of uh, cereal, you got a Frampton Comes Alive. So everybody was listening back then. That's right. And that was, was that the first kind of big thing that you did? When Absolutely. You were? I was playing in a club band. Yeah. And a friend of mine, Joe Renda, had a... Uh, and you know Joe Renda from... Yeah, Crazy Ace, right? Yeah, yeah. Crazy Joe in a variable yeah. speed band. Well, Joe had a studio, and I, I wanted experience in the recording studio. So I said, listen, if you have anybody that wants to record, I'll come down and play for free. Yeah. Um, just to get those first T jitters out of the way. And after about a year of going down there and, and working... Uh, the late amazing Bobby Mayo happened to live literally a mile from the studio and Frampton was on the last leg of a tour and they needed a bass player and uh, he called Joe up and he goes you know anybody he goes yeah I got this guy that's been coming down uh, playing on some music so Bobby said let me hear it they went over and listened and Joe called me up and he goes hey you want to play with Peter Frampton I said get out of here what do you really want he goes I'm serious you got to get down to the studio and meet Bobby Mayo and uh, I did it, and uh, that was a Tuesday night, and I was on stage with Frampton on Friday. No sound check right onto the stage, trial by fire, and that's a friendship that is ongoing and a musical friendship that uh, spanned 31 years. He really is a prodigy, isn't he? Oh, my God. Uh, he's amazing. Yeah, and so do you remember what that first gig was with Frampton? It was somewhere uh, at a college. I remember that, and... Uh, it was probably, I think it was in Pennsylvania. I don't remember. All, I, I do remember walking on the stage, making the sign of the cross and walking off. Because <laughs> the concentration level, I, again, there was no sound check. Yeah. Uh, it was a two-hour show. So were you, were you playing on your own or were you guys opening up or sharing a bill with anybody? No, no, I was headlining. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. that was after it had blown up, right? So oh. at this point, it had blown up for it, him. It was huge. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's and, and you know, you're right. It, it, Peter's one of those rare guitarists that just keeps getting better and better and better. His work ethic uh, is just second to none. Yeah, that's right. So for you, were your parents musicians? How did you end up getting into music a, as a whole? You know what? Um, growing up around the time of the Kennedy assassination, Wow. that cast such a darkness over the country yeah. I was in 7th grade probably I think and uh, what re what actually that was November of 63 Yeah. and then a couple months later Ed Sullivan shows on and there's these four guys from England and I'm telling you so many. to my generation that night lifted us out of the depression that, we, that the country was in yeah. and that started us on a new path, path and uh 
started me on my path. I mean, it's like, man, I want to want to do that. Plus, you heard all these girls screaming. So, what's better than that? Yeah. And that really was that for me. That was the line of delineations. Like, I want to do this. And wouldn't it be interesting for somebody to somehow try to tabulate exactly how many uh, modern musicians that particular event affected? Because I know just just since I've been doing this show. Uh, you know the amazing amount of people who Common single thread. back Common on thread. that absolutely that moment, right? It, yeah, it was. Uh, I think every you know I, I do a lot of work with the Liberty DeVito, Liberty's great, Billy Joel's right. drummer, and, yep. and we all talk about this. And we, at Liberty and I both did a tour of the UK with uh, Billy J. Kramer. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember. I, I have, I've heard the name. Little yeah. children, but we yeah. were we went over there, and it was one of these tours where the Mersey Beats, all these all these. Uh, Liverpool bands were on and we just sit in the, in the green room and listen to them tell stories and we thought it was something mystical but to them they were just getting this, the, the records um, brought over by the sailors that happened to land in Liverpool before anywhere else in England that's why that became a hotbed right. so they were trying to be Chuck Berry and, uh, and everything they were hearing from here and we all looked at them as like these icons and they said we were just garage bands trying to copy your stuff yeah. and then we ended up copying theirs so it, it, it's all connected yeah. it goes right back to that Liverpool era yeah and, and we, just to circle back around a little bit which is um, moving on to the later days I mean that you talked about the Joe Randa thing and ended up with the Frampton gig but Joe Randa also was the ace connection absolutely right? I showed up in the studio one day and um I looked on the floor, and there was this body lying on the floor. This is a true story. And I said, who's that? And Joe goes, that's ah, Ace Fraley. He'll come to him in a little bit. And uh, he did, and we started chatting. Ace had left Kiss. Frampton wasn't working. And uh, he said, hey, why don't you come over to play some jam with Anton Fig? That's and pretty that, good. That became, uh, that became the first version of Fraley's comedy. Yeah, the first the three-piece jam in Ace's studio doing Hendrix and Zeppelin and all the music that made us want to play. At any point in time, did Joe Randa go to you and say, hey, dude, you owe me dinner? <laughs> no, but uh, Joe is now uh, 81 years old and there has there is not a weekend since I first met him that I don't call him, we don't speak, and I, and I, I owe that man everything. Yeah, I really do. And that's cool. That's amazing. That I mean, Joe, man, he's got so many crazy stories. I mean, I've listened to some of the stuff that he's. Did you told. have you ever interviewed him? I've actually never interviewed him, well, but we got we got to set that yeah, up. Yeah, you got to set that up because Joe Joe has a lot of interesting stories. Yes, and, he does. Uh, I would love to talk to him, but I I love in general just you coming over and sharing this stuff because I think it's an important piece of rock and roll history. It doesn't have to be the conversations with the Framptons or the Kiss guys or any of these major people, I think it can also be about these stories that get missed out. Absolutely. Um, because yeah. everybody has a rock and roll story to tell. And, and uh, John Reagan, thank you so much for sharing um, some of yours. You're welcome. Anytime. And it's always a pleasure to be on Growing Up Rock. And we will get you together with Joe Renda because he, he and Ace... Uh, they, they had some interesting times. Let me put it that way. I'll let him tell you. Yeah, definitely. And so to take us out of here, um, because I don't want to take up your time. You're a busy guy. But to take us out of here, pick pick a song off the 4 by Fate record you want us to play out. 
Oh man! Oh wow! Or or let me do this. Let let me do this. Let me let me open it up. Pick a song. Period. That you want to play. Uh, that you just want to play. <laughs> How about that? Well, one of the one of the ones that inspired me. The entire album was Jeff Beck Beckola. Okay. Play Plinth. Water down the drain. Oh, we're gonna play it right here. On growing up rock. On growing up rock. Thanks, John Regan. My pleasure. Anytime, my friend. Podcasters, this is Jennifer Steve's wife, Bogarting the show. He stepped away trying to get autographs from uh, Todd Kearns and uh, lining up interviews with other celebrities. So here I am, taking over the mic and uh, entertaining myself for about five minutes while we wait for people to open the doors and bring in the 2 p.m. crowd. Anyway, hopefully you're enjoying the interviews that have been recorded so far. We've got some interesting personalities, whether they're uh, the actual celebrity rock stars that you're hoping to listen to, or whether they're some of the everyday celebrities that have got those amazing growing up rock stories to tell. We're glad you're listening and look forward to maybe meeting you at the Nashville Rockin' Pod in August. Thanks. It's that time again. The second annual Rockin' Pod Expo is taking place on August 25th at the Nashville Palace in Nashville, Tennessee. Rockin' Pod is a day-long expo bringing together over 20 different podcasts from all over North America, recording content throughout the day. 
We will also be conducting interviews with some of the musicians and industry folks that will be in attendance. There will be various artists and record producer appearances, some taking pictures and signing autographs, informative artist and podcaster discussion panels, and you'll be able to buy some cool stuff from the record and memorabilia vendors. We believe in podcasting platform and we believe that rock and roll is alive and well. We created the Growing Up Rock podcast because we love talking music and we want to share that love of music with people all around the world. The Rock and Pod is a celebration of podcast and music fans from all around the world. The Growing Up Rock podcast is proud to be one of the many participating podcasts in this year's expo. We will be offering up many different perks for those interested in donating to help fund the expo. If you like podcasts and you want to help contribute to this amazing gathering, please go to Nashville Rock, the letter N, podexpo.com for information. Then click on the GoFundMe link and make a donation in the Growing Up Rock name. Or just go to our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and click on the post pinned to the top of the page for Rockin' Pod Perks. Make sure you donate in the name of the Grown Up Rock Podcast. Later! Todd, don't mess up your hair or your hat. I don't mess up my hair, yeah. I don't want to lose any more. Uh, Oh, did I say that? Oh, no. It's all good. <laughs> What's going on? What's going on? Welcome to the show, Todd Howarth. Thank you for having me here. Four by Fate playing tonight. We're super excited about that one. Yeah, it's going to be good. We're looking forward to it as well because we have a whole uh, new audience out there. Yep. Four by Fate, all the uh, loyal Kiss fans, and we've already gotten a, a tremendous reception from them and new fans as well. So myself yep. included. There we go. <laughs> Excellent. So, awesome. So, when growing up rock, we want to kind of go back and explore some of your earlier influences, sure. right? So, we know you from Fraley's Comet. Right. You've done some things with Cheap Trick as right. well. You're a songwriter. You're a musician. You've done all these amazing things. Thank you. But what I want to find out is how you ended up where you are here today, which... So, let's go back. Were your parents musicians? How did you my first... My mom was a singer, uh, but not, no, not professionally. And my grandfather, her father, yeah. was a, a, sang a little bit as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, they didn't really come out in them. And then when uh, I was born, my grandmother, my uh, maternal grandmother, was thrilled that I started showing musical signs at like six and seven years old because she thought that all the piano lessons for my mom was a waste. Yeah. So, Anyhow, I um, you know I picked up on the Beatles when they first came out, and that was uh, I was amazed by you know all the sounds and the, the music and the women screaming. And even though I was seven years old, I go, they're on to something here. They play music, girls scream. That's what I want to do. So that was it. That was the gateway <laughs> yeah. for you, right? Yeah, pretty much. Very cool. So what were what was one of the first rock albums you ever bought with your own money? Uh, that was uh, Tommy. Uh, uh, Oh, God. Uh, uh, T-Rex. T-Rex. Yep. Right Mark on. Mark Bolin. Mark Bolin. I was thinking Tommy Bolin. Mark Bolin. Yep. Yeah. I thought that was just some great stuff. Really? That yeah. was the stuff for you. Yeah. How about some of the earlier concerts you ever went to? First real concert I went to, I think, was Alice Cooper. Really? Which tour? Do it you was, remember? I don't remember, no. but it was in uh, 79, I think, maybe, 78. They came down to the sports arena down in San Diego where I live. Yeah. Right on. Yep. That's very that's very cool. So, 
having all those influences and kind of leading you down the path to rock and roll, were you ever the kid that kind of um, maybe waited outside the the tour buses or chased down your hero? You were never never that guy, right? Nope. I was always interested in just playing and putting bands together, learning stuff, singing, writing songs. Yeah. I was told a long time ago uh, that, you know, there's more success to it if you're a songwriter. Right. And if you can play many instruments, so that's what I, you know, I eventually taught myself how to play a lot of instruments. And yeah. uh, I, I took songwriting over being a virtuoso at any instrument, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm I don't know, I'm what I'm best at doing. I'm, I'm mostly known for a keyboard or guitar now, right. but keyboards when I was younger, and then I played bass and drums as well. Yeah, so do you have any defining moments over the period of your career that you kind of stick out in your mind as something that was special for you at any certain point? Uh, probably the when I first joined 707. Yeah. Uh, that was in 1981, I think it was, and did my first record at 23 years old. And it came out on vinyl, and I saw it, we got shipped to us, and then all of a sudden it's playing on the radio in San Francisco, and I'm like, wow, this is it. I have made it. Little did I know that wasn't quite how it works. Yeah, it doesn't (laughs) work out that right. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. what was the connection? How did you end up as part of Fraley's Comet? Tell that story. Well, I was playing with Cheap Frick, and I was doing keyboards for them, and we were on tour with John Waite. Mm -hmm. And John Waite had Frankie LaRocca on drums, the late Frankie LaRocca, John Regan mm-hmm. from Fraley's County was playing bass. Go. And Arthur Stead actually was on keyboards, and I forget the guitar player's name, a great guitar player. Uh, and of course, John Waite singing lead. And I used to listen to them do their sound checks, and it, they were so ballsy and so good. I, I walked up to John, introduced myself, said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm Todd Howard, I play with uh, Cheap Trick. He goes, Yeah, I've been watching you. You're singing a lot of parts up there, aren't you? I said, Yeah, I am. And so um, I st- we started, you know, th- a couple shows. We you know, talked a little bit, and I told him what I could do. And he said, "Really?" So I, I'm having, I have a project I'm working on that uh, can't tell you what it is, but it might be beneficial for you. Give me your information. So a few months later, he called me up, said, "This is the project, and you got to come fly out and audition." Yeah. So that's how it went. And what was that? Was that difficult for you, kind of coming into something that was already sort of put together and asking no, you to put your own stamp on it? Not or? at all. No? It, it, it was, you know, midway through recording, actually, or maybe a third of the way through recording. And I was so used to uh, morphing and, and being uh, malleable at that point uh, to get into a project or band that, you know, I had no real problem uh, doing it. I, I don't think that uh, Ace saw me as... You know, big lead player, and I mean, I can play lead. I don't. I could care less. Right. Uh, and I think he wanted somebody who could play a little bit more lead, but also we need somebody to condense, you know, the group down from uh, two players to one because I can play keyboards and guitar and sing lead. What do you prefer out of all that? It depends on the song I'm writing. Really? I like to play guitars mostly because I'm not locked behind a keyboard. That's just cooler, right? Yeah, huh? It's oh, just yeah, cooler, yeah, right? It's cooler. <laughs> but and and then I sang for a little bit without any instruments, but. You know, I always need. To, it's always easier to do a four piece. So I was always behind a guitar. A guitar. Yeah, right on. So four by fate comes along, right. and you're part of this, and this is the new thing, which is really cool. Um, did you do the majority of the songwriting on this record? Initially, the first six songs, I think I, I wrote uh, four, four or five. I can't remember now. Yeah. And then when we had uh, Pat Gasparini join us, right? He's a prolific songwriter and a great songwriter. He writes a lot of stuff that's into newer, heavy style that I like. Right. And I thought, oh, this is great. You know, it's like, 
And uh, so he wrote virtually the other half of the uh, the record. Wow. Yeah, and he's he's so good. He's got uh, we're doing some songs tonight that he wrote, of course, and uh, they just go over real well. And, and I love that. We've yet to really be able to co-write because I live in San Diego and he lives in you know uh, upstate New York. Mm-hmm. Well, nowadays you do you, uh, take part in the uh, professional way of songwriting in the in the future where you're sending files over the uh, internet. We haven't done that because yeah. we haven't felt in this. Um, it necessitates that. We, I think we'd probably have a lot more fun together. We've been talking about it. Let's get together for a weekend. You know, you fly out or I fly out, and we'll just, you know, woodshed and come up with some stuff. He's got a studio, right? Yeah, he's got a studio. I've got two studios, which will be a blast to do, but it's finding time. Yeah. Because of my responsibilities at, uh, in my uh, my home, and, uh, and I take care of our family's uh, business real estate, which is pretty, uh, pretty time-consuming. Yeah. And then... You know, uh, Pat has his business, right? So, and then it just—we yeah, never seem to get any time, right? Yeah, completely understand. Yeah. yeah. So, are you looking forward to playing any of the particular songs tonight out of Four by Fate? Uh, well, we're gonna—we're probably gonna, I think, do half of some Comet stuff, and then maybe half of some Fraley stuff. It depends what happens up there. There's a rumor that something might happen up there, so yeah, we may have to modify some. Uh, some set list, but I don't know. Yeah, it's um, a pretty a pretty good representation of Four by Fate. That's awesome. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your songwriting process. Then, how do you go about writing songs? Does it start with a riff? Does it start with a melody? What's your process? It, there is no real process for me, but it usually starts with. Uh, I mean, you can start with the melody in my head, and I can write it out, and then I have to get my phone if I'm not near an instrument, and I give the melody, and then I give the tonic, and. Uh, notes and the bass notes and maybe some color orchestration which gets real convoluted there but other times I'll, I'll find a, a, it's a lick in my head or a piano or a phrasing right. chordal structure and I'll go with that and I'll write that and matter of fact my phone has got so many ideas of which I'm now recording a solo record in my one of my little studios in California and I'm playing everything again so it takes a little bit of a time to do that but yeah it, it's, it depends how that is very seldom do I come up with a lyric idea first because the melody and the song and the attitude dictates what the lyrics are going to be for me. Do you primarily write on, on keys or guitar? Both. Anything Both. I get my hand on, yeah. really. I mean, I, I, I've got a 12-string bass from Tom Peterson he gave me, and I write on that. You know, I write on, I've got baritone guitars that, again, Tom Peterson turned me on to. I've got two custom-made uh, baritones. And uh, keyboards, piano, even drum ideas sometimes, but very seldom because... You know, I'm, I'm uh, nowhere near as good as our drummer, Rob Afuso. Yeah, Mr. Rob Afuso. From Skid Row. That's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, you got quite the band. So uh, I've interviewed everybody in 4 by Fate. You're the last one to oh, uh, to come sit down with me. So, I've, you know, it is sort of an all-star band with all you guys. You guys all have a different history. You and John obviously have the history together. Right, right. Uh, and then I told Pat, I told, uh, Pat when he sat down, I said, I don't know anything about you. Yeah, you're, he's a youngin. You're the, you're the <laughs> you're the one I couldn't find any information on, yeah. right? Uh, and so we went through his story, but uh, I think the makeup of the band uh, together, you collectively, you guys have an amazing amount of experience and knowledge oh, between yeah. you. Oh, it, it's it's yeah. Like I said, Pat is a prolific songwriter, so he he fits in the creativity spot, and he's a tremendous player, and he's a lead singer too. And he plays piano, which is another fun thing, you know. Does he sing some of the songs uh, live, or he, is it all you? He sings, I think, uh, one, I think, 
Yeah, live we'll usually have him sing two two songs. Uh huh. And uh, on the record, I think he sings one or two. God, I remember. Wow. Yeah. That's how bad I am. Uh, but yeah, he wrote so many. I see so sings hanging on, and uh, I think he sings two. Yeah. yeah. Okay. On those songs that he sings on, is he writing the lyrics or do you write the lyrics? Uh, he no, he writes. Yeah, he, they're his songs. Yeah, so he completely. As a matter of fact, he he wrote a song called "Follow Me," which I sing. That's what actually got him to the band because he cut it with John Regan. Right. And John said, "Hey, you got to hear the song this kid wrote, you know, kid." Yeah. And so I said, "Oh yeah, let's listen." And I went, "That's great. So we should cut this." So I'm in. Yeah. You know, because I was still writing songs for Four by Fate, uh, but I'm not. You know, I'm not a song hog. And if there's a great song by, especially from somebody in the band, hey, let's do it. Yeah. Do you consider yourself a musician first or a songwriter? I know you're both, but what do you, what do you, as as a uh, person, do you consider yourself first? It, that's a good question. Um, pro- man, that's not even uh, probably musician just by a, a hair. Yeah. I uh, no, man. No, I mean, <laughs> probably more of a songwriter by hair, yeah. That's good. I threw you for a loop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it is interesting to hear folks, uh, you know, talk about things like that because I know uh, in talking to you and even talking to the rest of your band that songwriting is very important with you guys. Oh, yeah. Pat talked about it a lot. Yeah. Uh, so talking to both of you guys about this, and, and obviously you're, you're musicians, you're multi-talented musicians, so what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Well, yeah, and Pat is, is like, again, such a great songwriter. He's got a lot of songs out there and deals going, so that is his uh, affectionate bread and butter besides his other business that he has. Right. So, you know, it's a very smart thing, like I said, but he's also a tremendous lead player. Yeah. Yeah, really good. So before I let you go, I would like to ask you to pick a song off of uh, the 4 by Fate record to play us out. How about, let's do, uh, uh, let's see, uh, Don't Know. Don't Know, and then give me a Fraley's Comet song to play. Oh, we got to do. We're going to do back to back. Something moved. We got to do something moved. All right. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, Todd. Thanks so much. See ya. All righty. I started out feeling kind of empty until you. What I found out is the place that I've been hiding ain't so blue. Still, I I don't know where I'm going with this. I don't know where I'm going with this Summer fades And I wondered if there would be some goodbyes You're something else Altogether frightening I can't lie
Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. All right, so let's start with the name and where you're from. Hey, my name is Andy Moyen. I am from Massachusetts, as everybody likes to hear, the Wicked Awesome. Oh, wicked Awesome. And park the car in Harvard Square. Exactly. Uh, it was at Car Keys, or everybody says, say Tackies. So, Andy Moyen <laughs> is part of the KISS community. So, Andy, where did, <laughs> talk to me a l- little bit about where your obsession with KISS kind of started. Uh, I, I, I grew up in it. Yeah, uh, so how did that, where, was, where did that start? You know, uh, I don't know. Maybe I was just born with the blood. I don't understand. You discovered Kiss at some point in yeah. time. Who, oh, yeah. How did how did you get turned on to Kiss? Uh, where I grew up, uh, the street. Yeah. You always hear these stories about uh, people. You know, there's like you know one Kiss fan here, one there, one there and here and here. Yeah. And actually, where I grew up, the whole believe it or not, my whole neighborhood were Kiss fans. Yeah. And they were um, you know older than me. Yeah. Some are older than then some being being younger. At the, you know when it goes on, but. Uh, that's how I really got started, and uh, believe it or not, <laughs> it's funny, my uh, uncle, basically, uh, I used to go to my grandparents' house all the time, basically almost every Sunday, yeah. my father, go down there, and they had the big meal with like, you know, 40 people, it was crazy, right. um, Dress the Kill came out, you know, 1975, March 19th, 1975, yeah. and um, I went there, and uh, my uncle says, hey, you might like this band, and it was my birthday. It's just it's the exact same day, March nineteenth, you know, nineteen sixty nine. So, but anyways, but uh, you know, he goes, "Hey, you might like this," and he hands me over, dressed to kill, and I looked at the thing, and I was about five, and I'm like, "It's kind of strange." I'm like, "They look like clowns a little bit, but they're dressed up in suits." <laughs> I looked at him like, "What is you know? It's just a kid, you know? What is this?" He goes, "Yeah, you probably like this, you know," and he puts it on, and that ever since, you know. But like I said, the whole neighborhood was KISS fans. And like I said, they were older than me and stuff like that. Yeah. And then uh, back then, too, a lot of the parents, uh-uh, that was a big no-no, you know? You, you know, KISS was the you know the, the devils, man. Right. It, was, it was bad news. And uh, my parents were very cool about it. I mean, I'd say my father, though. My father was, you know, father very strict kind of thing. Uh, not, like, over strict, but uh, he... Uh, he went to the Marine Corps and all that kind of stuff and, you know, the Elvis thing and very, that kind of straight, narrow cut. Right. So he wasn't really fond of it, but my mother was very open and uh, my mother was like a big Jimi Hendrix fan at the time. Right. And, I, and I'll tell you, you can ask my mother. My mother hates the Beatles. She does not like the Beatles. Yeah. It's It's kind of funny. I'm yeah. not really, myself, I'm not really a Beatles fan. I don't understand that either, but right. everybody's catch. Yeah. And um, my mother was really, really more into the, you know, Outrageous, more of the outrageous. Janis Joplin. Okay. I mean, and then the straight, the the dirtier stuff. Yeah, I kind mean, of the, the Rolling Stones. My mother liked the huh? loves loved the Rolling Stones and yeah, stuff so, like that. So she's a Stones fan versus the Beatles. Beatles yep. were probably a little bit too sleek, a little bit too clean. She wanted a little bit more rock and roll. So I get that. Yeah, and her yeah. father was very uh, strict. Yeah. I never met him, but he's very very strict. Yeah. So you know how that goes. The sure. strict you are on your kids, they, they rebel against you. Yeah, the that's more how rebel. it kind of was. Yeah. So. uh and so that's kind of how it gets out. It's like a in between, between, and then my uncle said, "Yeah, I want to listen to the album." That was it, hooked. Yeah, yeah. hooked, line, and sinker. And that was it. And, and then, you know, Kiss starts playing. 
For people that don't know, uh, Kiss was never played in the Boston Garden. Yeah. They were banned. Really? They thought they would burn down the place because the old Boston Garden was, you know, built and it built out a lot of wood. Yeah. And if you went to the second, uh, you know, like second floor up top or whatever, when you stood up, man, you couldn't see. You had, you know, kind of like ducking and stuff like that. So where did they play in Boston? They didn't. Really? <clears throat> yep. They used to play down in, um, uh, they played like, well, they played in, um, down in the Cape. It's like a small place in the Cape, I don't remember. And then they finally played, uh, um, it's in that little brown tour book. Uh-huh. Which I actually call the first tour book, but most people don't. Yeah. That brown, I'm sorry, the brown one. Yeah. It was put in the originals. Yeah. It's, but I, I call that really the first tour book because uh, there's actually a photo of Gene hanging off the stage, and it's in Boston. And it says, like, 1975, and I'm sorry, I forgot. It wasn't the Paradise. It was something else. So they were banned, and uh, used to, they used to end up end up playing when they got bigger. Yeah, they play uh, Providence, Rhode Island, and they would play two shows because mm-hmm. everybody would travel down. From right. Boston area or yeah. that way down to see them. So, and then uh, they end up playing Springfield, Massachusetts on uh, you know the Destroyer tour came out. Yep. And finally, I got to go see them. Uh, my parents took you know, you know my parents. I say my parents took me. Yeah, they drove me. My mother went. My dad didn't want to go. Yeah. And to this day, believe it or not, my dad's never seen Kiss. And that was the Destroyer tour. Yeah, I saw the last night of the Destroyer tour, and I was about I think it was about six and a half by then. Wow. And uh. Do you remember uh, any of that? It's, it's, it's yeah, it's no, not all of it. Yeah. You know, it's just, you know, you're a little kid, you're yeah. just going nuts, and I just, you know, you kind of remember, but you kind of don't. Right. You see this, you just, you know, now you think back on it, and you just like, it's, it's surreal. Yeah, that's an that's an early age. I mean, I didn't go to concerts till probably 16, and so, uh, you know, I can vividly remember my first concert at 16. Now, whether I went and saw something at an earlier age, maybe, but I certainly don't remember, and I don't. Cer- I certainly don't think it was anything rock and roll related, you know. So, kiss-wise, what are your favorite? Like, you don't have to rank them for me, but Uh-oh. tell me your tell me your top your top three kiss records. Oh, I hate when people say this. It's really tough because it really depends on your your, your day, the day, yeah. your mode. Your mood. So I gave I gave I you mean, three, but you don't even have to rank them. So it doesn't. Well, matter. There are three that there there well, must be three. There's, there's that you nothing that's to. gonna for me personally. There's nothing gonna top the first three albums. Point yeah. blank. That's it. Yeah. Not but, even Destroyer, huh? The Holy no. Trilogy. No. no. Okay. And, and, and granted, man, I love Creatures of the Night. Yeah. It's it's you know, if I if I just sit and pick and narrow, you know, like Creatures in the top five. Yeah. I mean, and believe it or not. And I'll say this, and I'll get a whipping for this, but uh, you know how alive everybody's, oh, Kiss Alive, Kiss Alive? Yeah. I, I'm not as crazy about it as, as a lot of people are. Yeah. I mean, I love it because I put them on the map. Right. But I don't know. I just It's kind of weird. Some people don't like I don't think it's that weird because some people don't like live records. Uh, you know, That are not live. Well, you know what you know I'm what I mean. saying. <laughs> you know, yeah, I get it. You know what I'm saying. But yeah, I mean, from a standpoint of sometimes people just prefer studio records. I'm sort of like that. I mean, I there are many live records that I love. Kiss Alive. I love the uh, the Iron Maiden um, uh, Live After Death. Uh, I had that one, the double uh, Maiden record, and I loved it as well. But I still, for whatever reason, I tend to gravitate towards the studio stuff a little bit more, I guess, maybe because it's cleaner or whatever. I don't know. That's just so that's not really that strange to me. 
Uh, so, you know, yeah, I get the whole day-to-day thing, but what are, what are some of the other bands that you listen to besides Kiss? What are some of those Ooh. rock bands? Because oh. we all listen to different stuff, yeah. and, and I've, I've said it many times this weekend over. I know for a fact Kiss fans don't just listen to Kiss. And that's know? funny, too, because a lot of people say, oh, my God, you're a Kiss fan? Yeah. Well, K- well Kiss sucks, or whatever this is, right? Yeah. And then you turn around, well, I listen to this band. They're like, they look at you going, you listen to another band? Uh, well, yeah, we yeah. hear stuff on the radio. You know, people go to other shows and stuff and listen to stuff. I mean, I listen to whatever somebody has on. I mean, I, I personally, you know, I'm not going to turn on a country music station or something like that. Yeah, but don't you have records that you pull out that you're that you're you know listening to often that are not Kiss related? I mean, like, oh, not in the family. Yeah, tree. Yeah, so no tree. No, no tree. All right. uh, I, I am a wasp fan. A, a wasp. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Believe on. it or not. No, I uh, love wasp. I mean, it's not it's not because of the Kiss. Well, I mean, they do have the kind of any, and I saw them in the beginning. Like, I wouldn't say. I, I didn't live in California, but yeah. I didn't see that kind of. But when when they first came out, like like bigger this way, yeah. they opened up for Kiss. Yeah, I know. I, saw, I, know I saw them. A lot of people said Asylum, but I actually saw them on the Animalize because they filled in like the last couple nights, and I basically I think I saw either the second to the last, or the last night in Springfield, Mass, where it was General Mission still. They had still General Mission right and they Wasp, and one of my other friends it was a year older than me. He's like, check out this new band, man. They call it Wasp, man. I'm like, listen to it. I'm like, wow, oh, this is hardcore. Yeah. I mean, I think the first like, first three Wasp albums are Wasp follow Kiss to the T. The first three albums. Yeah. Then a live album, more albums. Yeah. Another live album. It, it's really, and and the Wasp, the Wasp thing for me is very. It's almost like a Kiss thing because they they're so diverse. Yeah. You know, I mean, they they have real heavy and dark, angry records. They have. Just regular rock and roll records. Yeah. Uh, I know you said keep it out of the family tree, but uh, the Crimson Idol. Yeah. Bob Kuehl plays on it. Right. It's I, I, phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, I I, I understand. I'm rock. not that familiar with what record. Like I I know the record, but I haven't gone through it from start to finish. I'm more of a, a story. You gotta, the first three the first three Wasp records were it for me. Like I list I got that first one before the you know right when it came out. I got that first one. I saw them open up for Iron Maiden on the Power Slave tour. And um, yeah, I mean, I loved Wasp. I loved those first three records, but um, but yeah, I mean, they lost me at some point. Now I'll I'll say that I've returned the latest record, Golgotha, is uh, was a really good record. And and some of those songs actually were supposed to be on the Crimson Idol that didn't make it. And that is a real good. I call that when it came out. That was the most underrated album of the year. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. It was I a mean, good record. It is a really good yeah. record. And, you know, you know, they're not going to get the radio play. Sure. And they had, you know, there's been different players in and out. And, you know, yeah. things happen. It's with all bands. about Blackie. It's all about Blackie. You know, he asked, you know, he asked Bob Q, like, hey, Bob, how's it working? That was the first question I asked when I first met Bob. Hey, Bob, man, I know I did a kiss thing and I heard it all. But what was it like working for Blackie Lawless? And yeah. playing that, and he goes, well, you know how singers are i mean that yeah that's really, basically his same answer to me that was his same answer when we talked to him we talked to bob we interviewed bob on our show and we got into um crimson idol just a little bit yeah. and we talked about that because uh, you know i think at one point blackie basically said hey you want to be in the band but he knew that it was basically about blackie and so yeah. When you, you just see, when you just see Blackie on the cover, that's what's kind of weird about it. Yeah. Times. But then he takes himself off now and just putting 
different things on it. And, you know, you hear stuff, you know, it's, it's people's their own business or what they want to do. Right. You know, and they say that he's, you know, he's, he's changed his life, you yeah. know. And he talked about how dark he got and how yeah. angry and mad and, you know, the drugs and alcohol yeah. took over him. Yeah. I know he, you know, Chris Holmes. Everybody knows the stories about Chris yeah, Holmes. Yeah, right on. But uh, Blackie Lawless got into some deep, dark stuff, too, at a, at a time, you yeah, know? Yeah, he's now he's now saved guy, right? He's like a reborn-again yeah, Christian he, or that's, something. That's where the thing is. And uh, yeah. if anybody don't know about it, he, he told a story, if anybody ever cares or pays attention, that, you know, he has, like, farmland somewhere. You know, he has a farms and stuff, whatever. And then he has actually was trying to, I don't know where he's doing, mowing and doing stuff, whatever. He actually fell in a hole, got off the tractor, and, like, there was a hole or something, and he fell in, and he broke his, like, leg and hip and all that. Uh-huh. So he had to have, like, all resurgery and all that stuff. Oh, wow. And he said he got he got addicted to painkillers. Ah. Uh, you know, so, I mean, he, he got addicted to painkillers. And, uh, you know, the, yeah. it's a that's a deadly drug, man. Yeah. It's, a, it's another thing. Right. Because yeah, didn't Paul, Paul Stanley said the same thing when he had hip surgery and stuff? Yeah. That Paul started getting addicted yeah. to the same thing, and he needed to get... You know, which is interesting it. for somebody who doesn't do drugs, right? Yeah. So I mean, he, I guess if you can get really hooked on those, pretty quick. Yeah. So. <laughs> no but doubt. Anyway, um, definitely like you, the first three Wasp albums, but they—it's almost like a kind of like a Kiss thing. Yeah. From that dark, dark, and then, and then yeah, I kind of see the similarities. You know, sure. Electric Circus. Yeah. Always a big show. Always kind of you know out there on the edge. So. I mean, and he's always respected Gene and Paul. Right. You know he's. He said that he goes. I love. He goes. I love their work relationship. Right. And that's always what he wanted. Yeah. He never really got that. So nah. you know. But you know, it is what it is. Like I said, I listen to rock. Whatever. Somebody's got something on. I don't know. I'm like, okay, whatever. Right. I just go with the flow. Okay. That kind of stuff. But you know, when I'm upstairs in my palace, it's the kiss stuff. It's got to be the kiss tree on my side. Right. You know, but you know, Kim, girlfriend, fiance. No, she loves kiss too. I. People ask. Thank you. Uh, pe- people ask me the question: Is did you get Kim into Kiss? You know, yeah. you know, no. Kim is a Kiss fan. Kim saw Kiss because she was from Maine. Yeah, Kiss used to play in Maine. She see them in Maine. You know, so it's kind of a weird thing. You know, a two and a half hours spot. We only met like four years ago, so it's very Kiss brought you together. Yeah, actually, Facebook brought us together in a way. It was kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not that weird anymore. My wife and I, we met through. Yahoo or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, back in the day. So hey, I guess it can't be any worse than meeting somebody in the bar. No, it's probably better. So true. So you got so. some stupid drunkie coming up. There, hey, yeah. what's up, baby? <laughs> exactly. Know? But uh, no, she's she's been always been a Kiss fan. She saw him back in the day, and then, uh, when she came in to move me, she says, "Hey, actually, when we first met and started hanging out a little bit, we were just friends first. We we're just hanging out." She goes, uh, "Hey, I got some." Uh, uh, I got some albums. I said, oh, yeah? She goes, yeah, cool. She goes, you want them? And I'm like, well, why would I want them? You're a fan. She goes, yeah, but I heard I saw your room and all that stuff. And she says, you, you look like, you, you know, you're a collector. You wouldn't sell the stuff or whatever. You're, you know, I was kind of watching, seeing your stuff. And you wouldn't. And then all of a sudden, she goes, she hit, she, we meet up one day. And she goes, here. She's got a bag. You know, I like bag of stuff, right, bag? I pull it out. It's an Ace Freely solo record. I beat a Chris solo record. Signed. Both of them are signed. Wow. And she goes, here you go. And I just like, I was like, are you kidding me? You're really just going to hand over these two records to me? Yeah. She goes, oh, I know you never sell them. You'll be, you put them in a the room. I said, you bet they will. So I put them in a the room, took pictures, send them to her. I'm like, these are going to be here. You know, and yeah. I'm never going to get rid of them. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And then, and then just kept talking and talking. And then 
things escalated and just did, and well, now you're engaged. Yeah, I proposed to her last year on stage at the party and that's awesome. Yeah, married. that's right. I heard that story. Yeah. Are you uh, you going on the cruise this year? I guess. Uh, yes, we are. Tell us all about the gathering, buddy. Yeah, everybody uh, asked. Uh, you know, uh, I had no partner named Jeff Hopkins. Yep. Which he doesn't go on a cruise anymore. So, uh, we we made a joke. Yeah. We said, hey, we'll get this hotel. Uh, we'll call it Living in Sin. Yep. The Holiday Inn. It was kind of the joke. You know, and then uh, Jeff said, hey, let's uh, do something for charity. And I said, okay. I go. He didn't know me. I didn't really know him that much. Stuff we met on KK1. Yeah. At a beach. At the beach thing. It was kind of funny. We just brainy tweets, started talking. It was funny. Right. And uh, all of a sudden he goes. So I said, oh, well, dude, you don't know me. I'm all in. Yeah. You got to understand I'm all in. He, he found out how all, all in I am. But he got all in, and then he turned around and said, we started making charity. We're like, I'm like, hey, if we make $1,000 for charity, I'll be all happy. And it escalated. You know, it escalated, escalated. So, you know, we had four living in sin parties. Yeah. And then he stopped. And then I had a fifth living in sin party, which I took on myself. Uh-huh. But it didn't do anything to charity. I needed a break. That's a lot of work. Yeah, I just needed a break. So I... Just had Andy DJ Noise, who does his whole thing, and just had everybody come. And then if any of the guests, like Lydia, Big oh, John, yeah. I, I actually pulled Big John out of Big John. For anybody can say any of what they want, but I'm the one who actually got Big John out of retirement. Uh, well, he came to me for you know came to the to the living in sin thing first. Yeah, yeah. That one. And Maria Contessa showed up, and you know Lydia said, and there was a couple other guests that showed up and I'm like oh and then you know they moved to cruise to New Orleans yeah and then I needed a new partner because uh, 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 Joe D'Angelo uh, said that he did stuff in uh, New Orleans he vacationed New Orleans he knew people I'm like okay let's try this out and then we did the, did the Halloween Wolf last year which was whew, off the hook yeah I <laughs> know I heard the replay yeah a lot of a lot of things fell into play you know the dives play yeah. the distribute band play you know opposed to Kim and uh you know, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of people. Right. A lot of sea of people. And, you know, they... they Joe Polo was a rock star. Joe Polo was a rock star. <laughs> he went up on stage first and introduced. Yeah. And he says, Andy, look up. I looked up and I'm like, holy crap, look at the wave of the crowd. Yeah. It was like, it was a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, it was people, the whole band side's packed. You know, right. people like flooding outside because like, right it was on. just out of control. Yeah. Like out of control isn't like just a lot of people, not like crazy, like no fights or nothing like that. Right. But we had a great time, that's all I can say. And uh, everything went pretty smooth for the for the most part. Yeah, it's a little delay with everybody getting in because it's something happened with the dives and the sound. So that you know whatever. But it, and then um, they decided to move the cruise back to Miami. So yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm back home. Yeah, you know, except the hotel. And basically, uh, there's not many rooms in the hotel. The 30th is completely sold out. Yeah, and they actually extended. Uh, it was only used to be 100 rooms. Now it's 200 rooms, and the 30th is completely sold out. The 29th is almost sold. Out. The 28th is quarter sold out. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of people. So uh, the last time I did the Living in Sin, uh, it got overrun. There's too many, you know, it's a little, I mean, the bar area is not that big. Right. It was kind of getting like 300 people there. Yeah. It's too much. Yeah. So uh, this year we kind of poked around, found this place called The Hangout, which is five minutes down the street. Um, I asked, Joe jumped in with me. We contacted the bar. The bar didn't get it at first because they weren't open on like a Tuesday. Right. We convinced them to open. You know, you got to pay bills and stuff like that. And we told them what's going on. They're like, okay, see if it works. So we started it out. And uh, and then uh, at first we were almost going to have like the big rock show. And, or I forgot what it was to start. And I don't know what happened. And then I don't know if things didn't work out or they didn't know their schedule. But we wanted to get going quick. Right. And then uh, I started looking around. I'm like, wow, this band called Kiss America. It's Kiss Tribute band. And they're kind of in the area. I was talking to them. Sent in the message. 
they got back to us. They said, we're in. Yeah. And then I said, well, I said, Joe, man, let's look for something a little bit different, you know, in the Kiss Tree, but something different. What happens? I, I saw them. They had played shows with the Van Halen band, tribute band. I said, well, they're kind of in the family tree. Let's talk to them. If they know them, they'd be happy. Get all thing. Bingo. They, yeah. they said, we're in. Okay. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, and, and I'll tell you, I've been haunting for Fall by Fate for two years. Yeah. You know, I went to the Poughkeepsie show up in New York. Right. I see John once in a while, you know, on the Expos or something. Yeah, sure. For two years, I was haunting. Come on, man. You got to do, you got to come down. We got to yeah. get you down. We gotta, right. I wanted them in New Orleans. Right. And it just didn't work out. Yeah. So uh, I turned around and said, I went to that show in Poughkeepsie when Ace played, and then they Fall by Fate opened. Right. And there's no way to go. Like, the place is not like a good area. It's like really bad. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, you don't even want to be there during the day. It's kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's, there's no way for them, like, really to escape. They have to come through the doors. You know, there's areas that they, you know, where you can go, and it's, you, they can't really sneak around. Right. So they're coming up. I'm talking to them, talking to the manager, talking to them. Come on, come on, man. So finally, I, says, I told Joe, I said, Joe, man, we got to make this happen. we got to get 4 by fate down to Florida. they got to play this party, and then see if we can get them on the cruise. Yeah. It's a win-win for everybody. So. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden we just decided, oh, let's sell some tickets. Let's go. 20 bucks tickets, get in. I'll contact Lydia again, John, Maria. Yeah. You know, uh, Ken Shop. Right. Uh, well, it's uh, James DeBello, yeah. a.k.a. Trip. Yeah. Like he, he was supposed to create it last year, but his father, you know, passed away. So you start stacking all these people on top of it, and then you and then you decide that you need a cherry on top of this thing? Oh, yeah. Oh, here's the thing, though. Um it just all fell into place. It wasn't like, believe it or not, you know, people say, oh, you start a party, you start the party after the party. No. Like, in New Orleans, right? maybe like a month before we even got due to New Orleans, yeah. I was already starting to figure out, oh, are we doing it in New Orleans? Or if they move it back to Florida. Right. I had rumors they might move it to Tampa. Right. I already started looking at hotels in Tampa. I mean, I... I we were. I was already looking at stuff, and even Joe and I did like, you're nuts. But I'm like, well, I got to get to started because I like to get to started in January. Let's go. And they're like, oh, it actually started in November. Right. As soon as I got off, as soon as I got off the cruise, a week later, yeah. here we go again. You got to. How much time? How much time does something like that consume seriously to put something together? Because I know it goes into a little bit of this type stuff, and I can't imagine doing something where because you don't live in Miami, right? No. Yeah, so I can't imagine doing something in a completely different town and trying to arrange all this stuff. What is what? How much time do you spend on something like this? A lot. (laughs) <laughs> well, Every day, but ballpark it for me. Like, how many hours a week do you think this consumes? Depending on people's, you know, people ask us questions, right? Uh, the hotel, you know, the Holiday Inn stuff. I have been that forever. Yeah, and they eat, and it's funny too. They even changed over. They had new owners. Yeah, so I had to redo it again. I had to, com- you know, not convince them, but explain to the higher ups what right. happens. Right. You know, hey, do you have any older workers there? Can you go talk to them? Can you see the guy with the long hair with the kiss things? And then they understood. Yeah. So they had to talk to you know, they come back and they said, okay, it's all good. But we just told them we're moving the party, though, because it's too much. Yeah. So they were all on board. And then they gave me a block of rooms. And I said, well, I need more. And the ladies said, oh, no, no. And I'm like, I need. You can put them with Kim. Just put them there. Put them with. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so all, all of a sudden, um, it just, you know, so that all fell into place. Like yeah. I said, the hangar, and they finally agreed to open up. Yeah. You got to give a down payment. So we yeah. gave a down payment, sucked yeah. it up, gave it up. And then when people so start who buying, puts who puts the money up for this? You do it, you take it, uh, so you sell tickets to it and then take the yes. portions of that and do the down payments? Not portions. Okay, all, all of it. it. Yeah, okay. I'm telling you, I'm telling you now, right now, people, 
people say, oh, you must have money. I explain it every time. No. It's, it's, I don't have, I don't have that kind of money. Yeah, I don't have that kind of money. Joe doesn't have that kind of money. No, it's um, it's basically the same. It's it's literally the same thing that we're doing with the Rock and Pod Expo. I mean, basically, we put it out there, we line things up, we sell, uh, we sell tickets to it, and get donations, and then we take that and we put that money into uh, the down payment on the venue and and the advertisement and whatever else there is. You just you basically you live hand to hand, so you you get the money you put the money you get the money yep. you put the money so yeah you, you know you got to down payments to get the bar sure. open yeah because they got to be you know make sure yeah and then um you know you you basically you know get the money you you know like i said the, the tickets are only 20 bucks if you just want to get in period and there's yeah. a huge lineup which we'll talk about in a second basically that money turns around and pays for you know the bands the entertainment the entertainment and stuff like that sound system yeah and it and then basically if we don't sell tickets, if people like yourselves that are listening and stuff like that are coming to these things, it doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, we could do all the work and thing, and I'm not a millionaire. If I was a millionaire dropping a ton of money. Right. If I was a millionaire and I had a ton of money, I would drop the money for everybody. Yeah. And, I, and I'd be like, you know what? I would charge everybody like 5 or $10, and I'd put it on charity. Yeah. You know, if you want in, it's like 5 10 bucks. Yeah. And it all would go into into a, into the charity. Right. That's how I do it. If I was a, like a multimillionaire, right, I, or whatever, I had that kind of coin. Yeah. I just because I'm a fan of doing this for fans. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun for me, but it is a lot of work. Yeah. I, I can't tell you how much it's it's constantly work because you never know. Regular people have questions. People from around the world have different time zones. Right. Uh, sometimes the uh, the the language barrier for the hotel stuff. Right. And, you yeah, know, down in Miami. Ticket, no, no, just like overseas, they yeah. don't understand sometimes or whatever. And uh, sometimes people can't understand the way I talk because I'm from New England. So they right. say, your accent, and I talk fast. And yeah. they're like, what the? <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, no. so everything goes in return. We get money, goes to things, pays, 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 keep going. Get more money until, see if we can go after somebody else. Going to know. And then uh, what happens this year? Who comes out of, who comes out of the woodworks? Mr. Benny Vincent. <laughs> and, you know, it's, you know, and I... And, and now all of a sudden we're like, hey, <laughs> you know. Now it's real. Uh, now it's real. And, and to tell you the truth, and I'm, I'm saying stuff because uh, I don't say I don't care, but I do care. But I really wanted Peter Chris and Peter Chris to come down for yeah. like four years because we're doing stuff for breast cancer. Yeah. I really tried to get Peter to come down and Gigi and I talked to them and they'd say, well, maybe, maybe schedule, schedule. And then, and then I really wanted to come down this year. I really wanted to, you know, get them down and. So, uh, and then all of a sudden the Vinny thing just like fell like almost in the lap. Yeah. And basically they wanted in. So you, you go with what really in, because you want to sell the tickets. You want to get this rolling. Now he's not playing, right? He's just showing up. Oh, no. He's playing. Oh, is he? Yeah. Um, as everybody else we know, we got four by fate. Yeah. Uh, Vinny Vincent is going to play electric guitar for first, well, first, I don't say first time, but first time in over 20 years yeah. in front of a crowd like this. Right. You know? uh, he's at least going to play two songs. Is is he playing with the four by fate guys? Yes. Is that the deal? Okay. Yeah. Yep. They uh, four by fate said they want they graciously said come on up. We were we figured that Vinny might play with the tribute band. Yeah. But four by fate said no. Nope, we'll we'll we'll, we'll yeah, do this with Yeah. Of course. Them. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, it's a whole thing, you know. And yeah. those guys are awesome. I mean, they're so good. Four by fate, is so awesome. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing them tonight. And then, um, and then uh, basically, uh, they asked us, hey, you guys want to do a meet and greet? And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean meet and greet? We want to meet fans. Well, how are we going to do this? Let's do it Tuesday during the day. You know? 
So I said, okay, we, let's do this. Let's try it out. We'll see what happens. So we, uh, you know, selling the tickets. Right. You know, basically pays the bills. Right. Like as always, pay bills. You know, and there's a lot of stuff in the background. Right, sure, yeah. of course. You need security. Yeah. You know, hotels, yeah. that kind of stuff, whatever. Yeah. So uh, next thing you know, we sold it out like under the radar. Yeah. It went out there, but it, it, it got leaked like under the radar. Yeah. And uh, we count, it's only 150 tickets. We sold Tuesday. And they came back to us and they said, can you do Monday? And we like, uh, I don't really want to do Monday because I promised Kim and my mother and, you know, we go check everything out. And guess what? I collapsed. I said, okay, let's do Monday. And I had to go back and break it to everybody. So now we're flying down on this Sunday <laughs> to get ready for Monday. So now there's, you know. So you're doing two days? Yeah, there's me read for Vinny two days, Monday and Tuesday. But, but, the, but the gathering thing, the concert thing's only happening one day, right? Yeah, Tuesday night. Okay. So I'll explain it is that. So now there's meet and greets with Vinny on Monday, and it starts at 4 o'clock in the afternoon to maybe we'll go to like 10 or 11, depending on, because we don't know people's flight schedules, but hopefully we don't keep us and Vinny too, 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 too late, you know? Right. But, and, uh, but uh, what you're going to get in that ticket is a, uh, you'll get a pass to get in on Tuesday night show at 7.30, so you get to get in that, that's part of it. You can have two things signed. But you can bring down any photos you want. Yeah. So you can have two pictures. You know, you can have two sure. things signed. Yeah. We're also, uh, <clears throat> Joe, uh, Joe actually said it so I can say it too. So he's actually posted it. He said uh, we're going to have a poster, mm-hmm. special poster. It's going to be pre-signed by Vinny. So you're going to yeah. get a third thing. It's going to be a commander poster, like an I was there poster. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Uh, you're going to get a bag full of goodies. And that's all I'm going to leave it at. Yeah. Uh, you're going to get your, your, your photo taken. Yeah. It'll be loaded on the website. Yeah. You'll be able to download it, and then you can do whatever you want with it. Some people are like, "Hey, can you can we like do it right away?" And I'm like, it's "Just impossible." So, so here's what I want. Here's what I want to know. I want to know that if I travel down to Miami, yep, and I come to the back door there, and I say, "Hey, I know Andy Moyam," and you let me in the back door, does that also get me on the cruise for nothing? <laughs> That's no. all I want. Okay, just check. And, and I'll tell you right now. Uh, I mean, we're asking everybody, once you're done, you know, when you're done your stuff, just move on. Yeah. I mean, I know they're going to have the bar open, so you can hang out in the bar, and the bar is not, like, huge. You know, you know, people come up and get their bag of goodies. We'll try to get everybody aligned, because basically what it's going to happen is basically photo first. Yep. Then signatures. And then if people miss the photo, because they come in later or something, we'll redo the photo. And then, you know, we're going to basically... Believe me, everybody's going to get what they paid for. Right. Believe me, because I've been in those lines, and it's, just, it's really crazy. Yeah. But, yeah, people have to understand that it's Joe in my first time, in my first, definitely, doing, like, a meet-and-greet lining people up. So, we get, you know, we want we want everybody to have a really great experience. Yeah. But, you know, there might be some kinks in the line at first on Monday to get us in the rotation. Yeah. And now on Tuesday, there might be a couple tickets, because we asked people that who had bought because there's only 150 and we're leaving it. Yeah. We're not overselling it. Right. I, I made sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm very determined about that overselling. Yeah. That's smart. Yep. So um, we asked anybody who had a Tuesday ticket, if they were in on Monday, could they switch? Because Tuesday was going to be the only time to switch. So give people that are already flying in that already have their tickets to fly in, give them a chance on Tuesday. And like 25 people did it. Yeah. Okay. But that's cool. That's cool. So there might be like 10 tickets left on Tuesday now. Right. But... Uh, there's definitely tickets for Monday open. Yeah. I think the last time I knew it was about 90. 
sold yeah. to 100, something like that. Yeah. So there's still tickets open for Monday. That's cool. And that gets you into the gathering. But uh, there's so much going on. I mean, there's so much. Um, four by feet. And also, too, uh, on Tuesday, the, uh, the, the meet greet is going to start like about 10 o'clock, I think. Right. And it goes to 4. Four, yeah. 4 is like the latest. Right on. If we could actually finish before that, right. it, it, I would jump up and down and flip over backwards because uh, we have to get down to the hangar yeah. at 4.30, 4.30, quarter 5 for right. all the people who have the special four by fate, fate meet and greet right you know an acoustic show because uh basically the bar is going to open at five for those right. people right everybody's going to get laminates goodies they can have stuff signed they're going to get a post they're going to have a poster not a special i was there poster signed by the guys that's cool hey I, and actually i just got the cd covers back the guys signed I all saw. the cd covers so everybody's gonna- i saw them over there <laughs> signing them i didn't yeah. know that was for you but that's cool that's me and uh, there's more goodies and stuff. And yeah. uh, Joe and I basically we bought a Paul Stanley PS10. Yeah. And uh, one lucky winner out of the 125 people, it's gonna get randomly just pull out. The guy's gonna pull them out. Thing. So somebody's walking out of here with a Paul Stanley PS10. I'm like, Joe, what the hell? Uh, I don't care. Let's let's do it, man. Yeah. And everybody's excited. Sold out. So they sold out. And then um, so if you have a Vinny meet and greet ticket on uh, either day, yeah, you can get still you can get in. They, they hang out at 7.30 later at night. Yeah. And you get to see everything. Yeah. You've got a former face going to play at least a 75-minute show. If he's going to jump on stage. Yeah. And also, uh, I don't know if, if you might have not saw it. It's kind of out there. Uh, Vinny signed a pink Jackson guitar, V uh-huh. guitar for us. And uh, the money's going to go to the Breast Cancer Research Foundation, which is the charity. Nice, man. And 92 cents of every dollar goes to the charity. That's and it's awesome. worldwide. It's not just... You know, state. It's a worldwide thing. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, so, and then um, what we're going to do is, uh, you know, anybody can enter that, and I'll get they can get the tickets on the website. You can order as many as you want. It's only 10 bucks to get in. Yeah. And this thing is all over the world. So whoever yeah. wins it, wins it. And uh, if you happen to be one of the, if you happen to win it, and you happen to be there, Vinny's going to pull it. He's actually going to hand you over the guitar. That's awesome. And we'll take a picture, hand over. And, um, also, I've been walking around as you saw over the weekend. I bought uh, I bought uh, I bought some drum heads. It yeah, just kind of hit me. Uh, me and Kim went to the uh, Long Island Kiss Expo slash Rock Expo, and I walked with on a drum head with a bunch of colors. And right. I said, "Hey, I'm doing this for breast cancer. Like, Will you sign this?" And like everybody did. Yeah, and, that's and awesome. all the special guests, you know. And, and Richie Fontana showed up, and I was like freaking out. Because I had never rich Richie. That was my geek out moment. Yeah. And then he knew my name. He actually knew my name. I was like, you know, and I was like, oh, I really stood there. Kim's like, she said, who is that? And I'm like, Richie Fontana. She goes, like, she goes, who is it? And she loves Paul Stanley's all album. I'm like, this guy, this guy did a lot of work on Paul Stanley, and he's done a lot of other stuff. Yeah. But that was my geek out moment. Yeah, like, that's cool. But the, the freakiest thing is that he knew my name, and I've never met him. And that's that. that you didn't made ask my, him how he knows. <laughs> that made my maybe from Lydia because I you know that's yeah. Lydia, but that made my day yeah. like extra the ride home. Yeah. Because we were gonna leave, and all of a sudden he showed up. I'm like, oh, I gotta run up and take a drumhead. Signed it, said my name, took a picture. That that five that four and a half hour drive, five hour drive back home. It made my day. Yeah. I mean, it that's really awesome. did. That's kind of stuff. Very and cool. It, and everybody signed. Everybody had no hesitations. Nobody said, oh, give me ten dollars or fifty dollars. Everybody signed that. So I said, hey, man. Coming down here at the Indy, yeah. let me grab a couple more heads. Yeah. So I did. But I got 16 people yesterday. And I think I'm up to almost 10 today. And then four by fade, I, well, I got a smaller one, a 12-inch one. And they, those guys signed each one of those. You know, they, all four awesome. of them in pink. And they're going to they're gonna draw the winner for that one. And then that they can get uh, 
But the, the only catch with this one is you have to be present to win, yeah. and, and you have to be going to the party. So you have to be present to win. This right is the way on. I want it. Because well, for me, for this one, I'm doing all the work. I want the people that were there right. to win it. And you can get those tickets. Uh, they're only gonna be. It's ten bucks. You're into all the raffles, and I'll basically put the drum ends back in the box. Yeah. And I'm just gonna, except for the four by fate one, because those guys are gonna pick that one. Yeah. But the other three, we're just yeah. gonna put them back in the box. Yeah. And just go. Okay, here you go. Whatever which one they can open it and find out the magic. Yeah. Whoever signed it. Yeah. And then, uh, but you can get those tickets. They're only ten bucks, but you can only get them Monday and Tuesday during the day. All right. But when you're passing out our Vinny, the Vinny stuff, yeah. we we'll have a little table and we'll say. So, you know, so real quick because I'm about to run out Uh-oh. on space on my on yeah, my so tank here. So, so just last minute, tell people what they need to know about yeah. this. Uh, if anybody wants more information, go to www.thekisscruiseprepotty.com. Yep, all the info and then some is up there. That's the best way. And if there's anybody that really needs to contact us with anything, you can you know send a you know PM through Facebook to uh, myself or Joe D'Angelo, my uh, partner for this year. And a shout out to his wife and Kim, because uh, you know they, they, you know they hear, listen to all the stuff in the background. Right. You know, you know it's it's a year commitment at least. You know? right. So it's a lot of work, but it's a love work. You know, and it's it, and it's part of charity. Yeah. And, and just like t- this weekend, yeah. people are already coming up to me, can't wait, excited. Yeah. They're all like jumping up and down. Yeah, it'll be I'm awesome. Like, it hasn't even happened yet. Right. You know, I'm I'm nervous, and like I always tell people, man, I'm the most critical about myself yeah if people are not happy i am not happy yeah you could be nine hundred ninety nine thousand people happy but if the one's not happy i'm miserable that's a miserable and, life dude because you're never going to make everybody happy i, 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 I relax a little bit but yeah. I, I you know if people see me i get dude. a little bit stressed about it but, all right but again we thank you everybody thank you thanks I mean, andy it's not for the fans this does not happen. That's it. So thank you. Come down and have a great time. Even if you're not going, even if you're not going on a cruise, just come down and have fun. Pick a song to play. Oh man, I don't know what kind of day is this today. It's always a good day. I don't know. Let's play. Uh, since they did it last night, let's play "Strange Ways." Strange Ways. Why Sweet. not, man? Good choice, man. Thanks, right. Andy. Thanks a lot. Bye. <laughs>
please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.